welcome to Film Yak, our weekly podcast for movie discussions. I'm Jordan. I am John. I am Kevin. And this week we'll be doing a deep dive, actually a double deep dive review on the films Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer from 2013, and The Hired Hand, directed by Peter Fonda from 1971. We'll be getting into both of those. But before we do, how are you guys doing? Good to have y'all back for episode four. I'm doing great. Doing good. Me too. Well, I'm actually kind of sick and, today. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, you showed up with a migraine, so I figured I could uh, deal with this little stomach bug I got going mm-hmm. on. So, I'm a trooper. Yep. Gotta make it work. Making it's it. It's fantastic. Make it work. Making it work. Yep. All right. This is a, this is a poor attempt at making banter before we. Yeah, get into this it. is it. We'll just cut all this out. <laughs> you don't just, have just, to. Just done like this is the, the behind this the, the scenes. My poor yeah. attempt. I'm, I was looking for a response there. And just of what? <laughs> I said I had a good day. Some banter. I had a good day. I. I got I got four new students today. Oh, that's lovely. Is that sucks actually? But it's, you know. <laughs> is that a normal thing for you to get extra students? Like and here's some extra more? students, yes, but not four at once. That's, oh, wow. not normal. I have thirty kids in one class now. That's rough. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, so it's. But oh, that's about normal, right? 30. No, it's no. not normal at all. Twenty-five. Twenty-five is 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 supposed to be normal, but I don't teach twenty-five kids in any of my classes except this one. Oh. Wow, I have sixteen kids in one of my classes, which is lovely. That's the yeah, less that kids, rules. the better. You want like eight kids? Yeah, totally. right. So. Get you in one of the charter schools, man. No, it's all right. I'll be without a job in six months. Right. When they shut (laughs) down randomly. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. True to that. Well, before we get into our deep dives, we're going to talk about what we watched in the past week. So, guys, let's start with you, John. What you been watching? Well, uh, most recently was getting into some uh, Criterion Closet vids on YouTube. You Uh, watched that one uh, I sent you? Which one was that? The Safdie Brothers. When did you send me that? I sent you the link or shared it to you on Facebook. When? Today? No, like a few days ago. I, I, guess you didn't I see did it. watch the Safdie Brothers oh, one okay. today after I saw a Facebook link about it. Yeah. I don't remember seeing it on your on you posting it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I watched whatever. it. Yeah, yeah, you watched it was it. really good. Um, yeah. I like how they were unabashed about... Uh, Taking like taking as many Blu-rays as they had, <laughs> yeah. So they yeah. took like sixty or seventy, it looked like a piece. Um, also watched the uh, Nicholas Winding Refn one, which I think I'd seen before, but it was good. He talks about uh, Elia Kazan and uh, some other people, some other directors that he's talked to about their films and stuff. So that was pretty good. And I watched the Michael Sarah one because you were raving about Michael Sarah a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and yeah. He's a he's a real douchebag. Anyway. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, yeah, I thought so, he did good. Oh, well, you would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding around. Anyways, um, I guess I watched. Uh, well, I guess we can talk about it real quick. Yeah, sure. The first thing I watched after last week's episode, and Kevin saw it also. Yes. Uh, went and saw it, directed by some guy, some jobber who Andy, directed Mama, and, Andy Machete. Yeah, uh, who's a nobody. Don't let that fool you. He doesn't know his name. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's making that name up. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, um, uh, adaptation of Stephen King's novel from the eighties, nineteen eighty-six, which was set in the fifties, apparently originally. Yeah, but now. They've obviously taken advantage of the whole Stranger Things thing and uh, set in the eighties. Set it in the eighties, uh-huh. of course. You know, and it's with got all, all the your, guys from Stranger Things. Of course, Things. it yeah. does. Finn Wolfhard, Finn Wolfhard is Richie, right? Finn Wolfhard. That's uh, anyway. Interesting name. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I well, I personally uh, didn't really care for it. Uh, gave it a two point two five. Um, it's just not my thing, and it wasn't wasn't scary at all. Didn't find any of the performances that great. I thought uh, I thought the the guy uh, Skarsgård who plays it, the clown anyways, Pennywise, Pennywise. Uh, was mm-hmm. fine, uh, but certainly not frightening at all. Uh, but not definitely not silly like you know I've seen like clips from Tim Curry and he just seems kind of off the wall silly. Mm. Um, and you haven't seen the uh, Tim Curry one? No, nor will I ever. Okay. It's television. Who cares? Um, <laughs> television from the from the nineties. Who cares? Right? Ninety one? Ninety? Eighty nine? Uh, I think it was ninety. Ninety? Ninety one? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. garbage. Who cares? Uh, this movie. The only <laughs> I haven't reason seen I, it, but it's garbage. It is. The John. only reason I went to go see this uh, was because it was rated R, and Kerry Fukunaga, like I said, he was attached yeah. to direct, and he had <clears throat> co-written the script. Which apparently they didn't use much of his script anyway, but um, yeah, from what I understand, that was a big reason why he walked away from the project because he wanted to make it like legitimately scary, mm. and I can see a lot from like there's a lot of like boo scares and a lot of like stuff that you're gonna see in basically any horror movie that's come right. out in the past however many years. Um, I mean, I appreciated the movie more from, like, the character point of view. I thought Finn Wolfhard really did a great job of capturing Richie. And all the kids, I think, really captured the characters very well. Because even though I never expected it to be anything near what the actual book is, you know, I'm still coming in knowing about the material and everything. But, um... Yeah, like there, but there are still like hard things that I really disagreed with, like um, the fact that Mike, the only black kid in the group, in the book, he's he's the historian, and when he grows up, he becomes a librarian. But in the movie, they made him a really nothing character; like he's really barely in it at all. And for a rated R movie, I was really surprised that no N-words were thrown around. Because that was a big thing. You know, like... Again, yeah. like with uh, like we were talking about with, with uh, Heath Ledger and Mob Fools and mm-hmm. uh, The Dark Knight. It's like, okay, like, I get, your, I get that, you know, it's kids and everything, but... Kids just, curse just, worse than adults, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And especially, age, especially, in this, especially in this movie. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, they're already gutter mouths as oh, yeah. it is mm-hmm. you look so, back at like stand by me i remember i was like oh yeah oh, i sure. need to rewatch yeah. this and i was like dude these guys are trash mouths like just cursing up a storm yeah but, yeah, yeah like river phoenix dude <laughs> so yeah but yeah uh and that and like i also did not appreciate the fact that they're slut shaming a 12 year old because in the book beverly is from like the wrong side of the tracks like the poor side of town her father's a abusive alcoholic etc etc but in this movie they just boil it down to like oh heard she slept with a lot of guys like guys she's like 12 her father wants to rape her well i mean i thought that was pretty obvious yeah for sure I don't know why. And they technically, just, I mean, I, I guess she's not playing her age, but she's that actress is fifteen. So, hmm. well, you know, but I guess they're. I don't know how old they're supposed to be in the movie. I, I know that that the the tall kid who looked like he was like twenty five, he's supposed to be fifteen. 
<laughs> yeah. So that you know. You were talking about the the lack of cursing and the use of the N word. Do you think that? Oh no, there's plenty. There's plenty of cussing in the movie, okay. but the fact that like, so one of the one of the main villains, um, oh, what's his face? Bully number one. Yeah, bully number one. Uh, the the one who kills his dad. Yeah. Um, like like him, his father, all his friends are like big racists, and there was there was a black club in Derry that was burned down by the KKK or the or whatever equivalent they had at the time. So yeah, like I don't understand why they just dropped out the whole racial aspect of it. Well, you, I was going to ask, do you think that's a product of them moving it from the 50s to the 80s? No. Cuz let's racism let's, still exists in the 80s, Jordan. Oh, I, yeah, I agree and I'm I'm aware, John. But <laughs> yeah, I would think that would maybe be a more prominent well, thing yeah, like, like from the book if it was set in the 50s, I don't know. possibly. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, you, you could you I'm sure you could argue that I I I don't buy it. Um, but yeah, like I did enjoy the fact that a lot of the villains in the movie were not the supernatural element, which I think is left out of a lot of King adaptations. So I appreciated that. I hated the bullies, and here's why: <clears throat> the bu- <laughs> the main bully, uh, while later in the film, obviously uh, revealed to be quite sadistic and homicidal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early parts of the film, when you don't know anything about him, he's just a bully. He like he uh, he c- tries to carve his name into the fat kid's stomach, yeah, and carves the first letter of his name into the fat kid's stomach with a knife, yeah. Too far, like that's ridiculous. I I, I'm so, I just don't <laughs> buy that for a second. It makes no sense. It's like it's like it's like again. It's it's like when I was talking about the Mighty Ducks two last week. Then they have that character who's just evil for no reason. It felt like that. It felt like here's this kid who just has this blind hatred of anyone who's not in his clique. And it's going so far as to physically maim these people, which is like... And and then the kid who gets maimed, I mean, I don't know what it is about like Hollywood and their like necessity to, to, to tame things. It's like this kid just got a like, like huge flesh wound with a knife. Totally fine. The next scene, no big deal. Just bandage it up. Keep running around. Hey, no big deal. And it's just like I, I just really, I just that kind of stuff drags me out of it. And the, uh, speaking of the uh, the black kid, uh, Ben, is it Mike? Mike, whatever. Mike Hanlon. Mike is uh, played by one of the worst actors I've ever seen. That black kid was horrible. <laughs> Who played him? He had one big monologue where he was talking about his grandpa talking about fear or evil in the town or whatever. It was all. He was horrible. I was like. Mm-hmm. Get this kid out of here. Every other kid at least is pulling their weight. They're at least playing realistically enough. They seem mildly authentic. This kid was horrendous, like so bad. I hate to say it about the only uh, person of color in the film, but it's like, I mean, I can't help that. He's just terrible. Um, yeah, I agree. And like, yeah. I think I think a lot of that was the, I don't know, the directing, the writing. I feel whatever. like maybe, like you say that they didn't go into his character enough. Maybe it's because he sucks so bad. And they were like, well, we really got to cut this guy out. Like, I don't he's know. terrible. He's dragging it down. You know? could be it's true. entirely possible. Yeah. And also, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Hmm. What was I going to say? Uh, you didn't like the movie. You were talking about how terrible oh, he oh, was. Oh, the, the kid, the kid. The, yeah. the, the, the cattle gun. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. 
what kind of a like I don't know. I'm not a cattleman. I don't know, but yeah. it doesn't seem like something that exists. This gun where you load it with CO2 cartridges and then you it's like a bolt gun to kill the animals, but you load it with CO2 cartridges. Well, I think it's a little more believable when they did it in No Country for Old Men. Yeah, so with maybe a huge was, tank. Maybe, yeah, that exactly. makes sense. Yeah, I that's what a bolt gun is. But yeah, like to to have like basically basically a paintball gun without the paint pellets. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it sounds kind of like a paintball. Yeah, with enough pressure kind of to thing. push a rod through a skull. I mean, no no way that's gonna happen. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just an, an animal skull. Too. Yeah, like, I hated it. I hated mm-hmm. that. And I and I remember uh, hearing something about in the original film they use like a slingshot. Yeah, that, that's killer. Why not do that? Like kids in the eighties. I, I yeah, had a slingshot yeah, when yeah. I was a kid. Exactly. In the late yeah. 80s, early 90s. I mean, it's like, it makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you, like, ugh. And that, yeah, that was another thing that I didn't like. I was waiting for the slingshot to show up, and it's like, okay, yeah. like, come on. Yeah, you know? makes makes no sense why they wouldn't get rid of that. But Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, like, I, I, I liked I liked some of the, uh, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, you know, hard to watch or anything. Like, I didn't hate this movie. I just wasn't like, it was, you know, there were some parts that were, mildly enjoyable i liked anything that happened inside the school which is only like two scenes that happened in the school but i was (laughs) like whenever that was happening i was like i wish this movie were just like a movie about these teenagers in school in the 80s that'd be fun you know but then it's got this whole you know supernatural clown business (laughs) behind it so yeah unfortunate but i didn't find i was i really remember watching the trailer and thinking this is this might be creepy because like the trailer's a little creepy but the, the movie is not scary at all like it's just I don't know. It didn't yeah, do anything like, for me. I wouldn't. Nec- I wouldn't call it scary, but like I think there are definitely parts in it that are horrific, and I, you know, some people might say that I'm splitting hairs, but I think there's definitely like you know like uh, the opening scene with Georgie. Like mm-hmm. I was surprised. I mean, I knew that it was going to be rated R, but I was surprised that that actually happened. Um. Yeah, that was. Uh mildly yeah. shocking yeah so that was like i mean yeah horrifying to watch but like i knew i knew that it, that happened yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't like scary on a like deep down visceral level what is though good question i'd be hard pressed to actually think of some movie that actually like disturbed me on that deep a level blair witch project Really? When I was when I, I was a kid, when I saw it, it okay. came out in what ninety nine. I was yeah, twelve yeah. or thirteen when I saw it the first time. Right, it was terrifying. The ending was terrifying when, it, when yeah. the camera nuts knocked down and you see him standing in the corner and there's all that, like the context of that, like you suddenly realize, oh my god, the evil who was there before is there again, and he's put this kid in the corner and it's just like you don't know what's gonna happen and it's just screaming and oh my god, it was terrifying. Yeah, I don't know how it works now. I haven't seen it since then, but I have it yeah. on Blu-ray. I've had it for about six years, so <laughs> haven't watched it yet. I need to rewatch it. <laughs> a little scared. Um, All right, yeah. What's so nice? after it? I've right. uh, <clears throat> uh, been meaning to watch Rosemary's Baby because of uh, Mother coming out. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. This, this Mother seems like it's going to be connected to that kind of story somehow. So funny thing. Uh, I saw Nicole's thing on Facebook about that, mm-hmm. and. You know, I said something about Ira Levin, and then like later that day, I was cruising IMDb, and <laughs> sure enough, they had a shot of Jennifer Lawrence in like one of those um, one of those banner ads. Yeah, and like it's her looking up. Yeah, they copied the poster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, like 
it is, a pretty... is basically Muad'Dib. Oh yeah, <laughs> she can yeah, see she, the future. She called it for sure. Yeah. So She's, is there a legitimate connection between the two? I, or is I don't. Kind of... No, it's not like a, it's a thematic. I'm sure. Yeah, it's like thematic. Influ- he's influenced by it, gotcha. and I can see why because it's a it's a brilliant film, uh, Rosemary's Baby. It's uh, amazingly uh, suspenseful, and uh, it is it is a genuinely scary situation that they put uh, Mia Farrow's character in, Rosemary, mm. um, and. I love the fact I love how bleak the ending is that oh, in yeah. essence Satan essentially wins yeah. uh, you know he he conquers which is just amazingly uh, brazen for 67 or 66 or whatever 68 yeah but you know so just incredible and um, I really love John Cassavetes in it Cassavetes is mm, I didn't realize he was in that unbelievably good he is plays he husband? her husband yeah, okay, yeah. He's, um, he's incredible I love him and I loved him in everything I've seen him in but this yeah. was like next level for me okay. and apparently he didn't get along with Polanski very well because he he's, likes to improv and Polanski wants to plan uh-huh, everything so. yeah. right his uh his kind of take on directing or movie making I'm sure clash oh yeah bit. definitely yeah. Yeah. um yeah. And uh, Jonathan had bought me the Blu-ray on Criterion uh, last Christmas, and I had forgotten I even had it. So we were looking for it everywhere. And uh, like, then oh, Jonathan reminded me, he's like, you have that. I got that for him. I was like, mm. <laughs> So then uh, on um, Kevin's uh, suggestion, I watched Holy Hell on mm-hmm. Netflix, uh, which is a, a documentary about a, a cult from uh, 1985 to 2007 or some some point like that. Yeah. And uh, He just got deep into a lot of... <clears throat> horror witchcraft yeah yeah devil stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was kind of a themed weekend yeah. on uh, the, the dangers of of uh, religion and cultism um yeah. i saw that through your letterbox i was like yeah. oh i see a theme here yeah. yeah uh holy i didn't like holy hell very much yeah uh, unfortunately mean, uh i just didn't feel like the story was very interesting like i think the int- the idea of a cult is interesting but kind of where it goes is just very like well it's like they they were a cult for a, for like two decades and they just broke up you know it's like they they decided they didn't want to do what this guy was doing anymore he was it came out that he was sexually abusing some of the uh male members of the cult and they just left i think it'd be much more interesting to see like a, a documentary on like a like an in-depth insider documentary like this one is on like a like a mormon cult or something you know one of these mm. ones like like warren yeah. jeff's kind of thing where they're you know raping 13 year olds and marrying 12 year olds and all this kind of, you know, that's more uh, uh, intriguing and like disturbing to me than this was personally. Yeah. I mean, I think like the thing with Holy Hell is like, it's literally kind of follows the exact, you know, ABCs of a cult, Mm -hmm. you know, from the way it starts, what goes on and then the way it ends. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much how cults go. I also would have liked to see more about how it started. Like it just seemed like, it seemed like the guy oh, yeah. who was making it came in after it started, and he didn't have any kind of like insight into why these people were following this guy. He just came in. He's like, "I know why I'm following him," but they didn't talk about like they they talk very briefly about the beginnings of it. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. And uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if you remember this. The guy, the leader, is in rosemary's baby that's oh, why wow. i told you to watch it oh, okay ah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i saw you watch rosemary's baby like, watch holy hell it was really wild man I was yeah like, wow yeah. this guy's in it that's wacky so and he was got... actually in the cult yeah he no, was a... he's like he's yeah he's, he's got no lines he just turns to the camera and looks at one point uh, yeah like because they do like a hidden camera with him at one point in yeah. like hawaii hmm. right um after that watch jesus camp for the first time which is a documentary about um Evangelical uh, nut jobs who brainwash kids into uh, believing that they're, you know, mm. 
whatever profits or something. Yeah. Um, it was pretty disturbing. It's uh, very disturbing. It was much better than uh, uh, the holy hell in that <laughs> in that way. If you're talking about it in terms of cult, I, th- I thought yeah, it was yeah. a very very well done documentary. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it was really really uh, scary stuff. And um, I liked the. Uh, I was having trouble with it at one point because they keep they keep. Uh, have you guys both seen this? I've seen a clip from it. The only thing that I really remember is the kid with the rat tail. Yeah, okay. I've seen it years ago. The only well, I remember you know a good bit of it, but the thing that sticks out in my mind is the George Bush, the George W. Bush cardboard cutout oh, like yeah, on the yeah. altar yeah, in the church. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, he, they insist that they all say hello to him and yeah. pray for him. And so yeah, it's really weird. That's wow. really um, weird. But uh, I, I, I was having trouble because in, in throughout the film they cut away to this. Uh, religious talk show the radio show but this guy is like condemning of their type of religion Mm. yeah yeah. and uh i was having trouble because i was like i don't know how i feel about like this i understand they're providing a counterpoint but it just seemed really out of nowhere and like it didn't make sense it didn't have anything to do with anything Mm. but then at the end the the pastor nut lady calls in uh pastor becky fisher she calls into the radio show and they have a little bit of a debate and it's pretty good and she's a total totally insane um uh so after that uh just really feeling the uh anti-religion so <laughs> just decided to watch rewatch religious uh oh. bill maher's film uh directed by larry charles from 2008 mm-hmm. uh which is about bill maher who's uh obviously a progressive liberal who's uh yeah. an atheist outspoken anti-religious anti-every religion yeah. um and he goes about uh asking questions essentially uh, his, I think his his main thesis, his main question is why is faith good, and uh, I, I love it because uh, nobody can answer the question. Like they all they all try, and some of them have better explanations than other as to why as to why they're doing what they're doing or why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. But like the problem with with uh, faith. As, as I see it and as, as the film sort of puts out, I mean, this is not like a great, brilliant film or even a brilliant commentary. It's really just more like a comedy. But, um, but I mean, the, if it has any valid points, I'd say that it's, you know, it's arguing against this kind of uh, blind faith, this kind of just rushing into things and believing whatever mm. because your parents believed it or because you were told it your whole life. or like, And then going along with Jesus Camp, obviously, these kids who are, you know, five, six, seven years old being told what they're told. Obviously you can tell them anything and they'd believe it. You could tell them that, you know, there are unicorns and they'll believe it, you know? So especially if you offer no evidence and tell them you just have to believe, (laughs) you know, like obviously they're going to feel that way. So, um, you know, I think that that's what, uh, Bill Maher is attacking here. And obviously he goes into the whole, uh, debate of Islam and, uh, he talks to a lot of Islamic scholars and priests and, or, or whatever they are. Uh, uh, and, uh, about the violence that comes from religion mm-hmm. and religious extremism talks to the Mormons in Salt Lake City or he actually talks to ex-Mormons but because um, obviously the Mormons won't talk to him and he <laughs> does a small bit on Scientology which is pretty funny yeah. uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah, I would say even as a person of, my, of faith myself that you know those are good points to make about questioning what you believe and not just taking it wholesale from your parents or you know what you're brought up in I agree I mean I can think of yeah. even religious scriptures that kind of say the same but yeah yeah so um anyways after that uh watched a short film called uh, i needed color which is a film about jim carrey uh painting 
Oh, yeah, I yeah. become a painter, and uh, it was okay. It was like six minutes long. It's fine. Uh, his paintings are actually not bad. Yeah, um, cool. Rewatched uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall because uh, it was on H. It was on Cinemax, and we were laughing at the beginning of it. So I was like, <laughs> I have this on Blu-ray. Let's just watch it on Blu-ray. So yeah. we went and got the Blu-ray, and uh, it's pretty, pretty good. You know, pretty funny. Okay. Uh, Jonah Hill's funny. Yeah, in it. and uh, Paul Rudd is very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I really, yeah, I enjoy it. And um, after that was that, your D two for the week. That was my well, no, I, I not D. I, well, I, not I, I you liked it. it. Yeah, like kind of. I think it's pretty good. Your lighter fare for the week. Yeah, after sure, all the horror sure, films. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, well, then this was like whatever uh, day before yesterday. So this was on Monday night, but or Tuesday night. But um, then I, I've been watching in, uh, incrementally on YouTube during my breaks at work. I've been watching a uh, 9-11 truther documentary called The Anatomy of a Great Deception. Oh, boy. Which is uh, absolutely terrible mm. and uh, just full of uh, fallacies, terrible arguments, uh, stuff that makes no sense to anybody unless you're like really trying hard to believe that there's some kind of conspiracy behind 9-11, uh, which I don't think there's much evidence at all of. And uh, this guy, like this guy, is so ridiculous. <laughs> like he, he, his, his analogies are so flimsy. Like he says, like, how could a plane hitting the whole thesis is that like the planes didn't bring down the World Trade Center. There were bombs in the basement that blew up, and they, you know, they dropped, they it, it demoed the building essentially. Mm. And he's like, how could a plane flying into a building bring it down? He's like, imagine you've got a stop sign. And it's sitting on the on the side of the of the road, and it's standing up. And imagine that that is the twin towers. Now fire a bullet through the stop sign. Now does that drop? Does that make the stop sign collapse? It's like how is the stop sign equivalent to the twin towers? You clearly yeah. have no that's mental. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no what what is the physics behind? Like that yeah. makes those are things are not equivalent at all. Yeah, and like has, the struct the basic structure of this. It just makes things. no sense. Yeah. And then he actually like he actually brings up something in his in his film that made me think about why hits all his arguments are retarded. Which is he says that the uh, he says the the structure of the buildings is what they call a tube structure. So like there's the structure is not internal. It's out. It's out external. It's on the outside. So mm-hmm. it's like a big tube essentially. Right. And he's like, uh, and he uses that to try to prove that there's no way that a fire could burn it or whatever because the fire is burning inside. And it wouldn't burn in whatever. But my, I'm I'm thinking about it. The 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 pro, the reason the buildings fell. <laughs> Is because there's a huge hole in the building from the plane. If you have a huge a tube and there's a big hole in the tube and you've got thirty thousand tons above the hole, that's probably going to collapse in on itself, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, just insanity. Like this guy is full of shit, and it's just it drove me nuts watching this thing. But I wow. had to finish it, and then I actually yeah. um, looked up uh, the Truther movement on Wikipedia, and I found some other films. <laughs> And I actually yeah. watched half of one today. Which, <laughs> it, what was that? It's called Loose Change. Yeah, I've seen it's that one. Terrible. Yeah. It's heard, terrible. I've too. heard about that. And At least this one. I think that was like one of the first ones that really right. came out. I watched the final cut, which is like a third edit of it. Uh, At okay. least Anatomy of a Great Deception, I'll give it this. At least it's like watchable and you can follow the train of logic no matter how ridiculous it is. Uh, On Loose Change, I don't even understand what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, they're like showing footage of like press conferences. I'm like, what are they even. What is the point? Like, what's the. What are they trying to claim here? Yeah. And it's told in this bizarre structure where it goes, Act 1, Chapter 1, whatever. You know, and oh, it's like God. the 
uh, Pentagon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Act One, Chapter Two, and it's just like, when is this going to end? Like, this is, <laughs> like how many acts are there? Anyways, I hated it. It was absolutely. So not only terrible. is it terrible, untrue, it's also pretentious. So yeah, we've got a trifecta. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, also, uh, you know, watch the films for this week now about concerning uh, uh merry christmas mr lawrence Uh-oh. did not watch it but oh not, but not for lack of lack of trying mm. ah. here's what happened mm-hmm. okay because i feel well, let like, me let me just remind everybody i feel how you took me to task okay you last week for not watching hard to be a god took you to task for not trying even to watch hard to be a god for completely I ignoring it. i didn't say i completely ignored <laughs> you, did you did you not i didn't I tried. No, you didn't. Just, when? Just didn't have time. When did you try? Just didn't have time. So you rented the movie and then didn't get a chance to watch it? I actually, we found, I found it on Canopy. Uh, you can get it free through the library streaming. So. Did you watch like a minute of it and you're like, oh, I don't have time? No. I didn't think so. You didn't try to watch it. Okay, here's what Come happened. On. Here's what happened with Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll Give us on. your excuse. Shut up. So, <laughs> so I, uh, okay, so I'm going to watch it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have, uh, you know. I look first thing I do go to Filmstruck right, right. home of the Criterion Channel uh-huh. you a home of uh, uh, like a dozen Oshima films you uh-huh. would think Merry Christmas Mr. Lawrence would be on there it's not so uh-huh. I'm like okay can't watch it on Filmstruck that's a bummer so I go uh, to Nefarious Means I mm-hmm. download the film okay the Criterion Blu-ray rip of the Criterion uh, edition it's it's gorgeous last night I sit down I'm like I'm ready to watch it I'm, right. I'm dying so Put it on, watch six minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Then your house no subtitles, on fire. no subs, and I don't even realize. It. I'm thinking maybe I'm not supposed to understand what the Japanese guy is saying, but they're talking for so long. I'm like, there's no way there can't be subs on this. So I'm like, okay, this sucks. I'm not going to stress myself out about it. I'll just watch it later. But I was like, well. I really should watch it. I need to watch it. It's important because you assigned it. So I'm like, I'll do one more thing. I'll look for a subtitle file Subtitle file online. Hmm. I go, there is a subtitle file. I download it. I lo- lo- load it into the player. I'm playing the film. I start it over. Mm-hmm. First uh, minute or so goes by. The, the, the guard comes in for Mr. Right. Lawrence and starts screaming at him. The subtitles are off by like 15 seconds. Oh, that's rough. Wow. It's brutal. And I'm like, I can't do it. I cannot watch this. Go rip another file somewhere, huh? Well, I mean, how many subtitle files do you want me to go through? Well, no, go download like the whole thing. Oh, there's no, no, there's only one copy. I only use one site to download Mm -hmm. stuff, and there's only one copy of it on there with any any kind of cedars or or cedars. Well, right. So, listen. I I give that to you. It sounds like you tried. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. (laughs) There's more? Well,. So then you're, you you might ask why didn't I get this from the library? Because right? you have fines because I haven't have... paid them off. I was <laughs> just about such to get a jerk off. off. Look, look at you like look at <laughs> if you, you paid off your my, library fines, you come check it out from the library. Looking no, at you my told account. me. You told me. <laughs> you looked at my account. You told me. Well, my account is blocked anyway, so I don't yeah. know how much you I owe. Delinquent. Yeah, I don't know how much I owe, but I can't get it from the library. Hundreds. But honestly, but let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Based on the first six minutes, including Ryuichi's Sakamoto's opening track. Yes. I'm ready to give it a six out of five. It's brilliant. And the music is like, it was amazing. <laughs> I honestly, and I feel like I've heard the song before and I just don't know where. Has it been used in another film? Do you know? Uh, it's possible. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know uh, Sakamoto was like a um, a big deal in Japan. Like uh, there was a 
interview with Bowie where they asked him why he wasn't doing the soundtrack. And he's like, guys, Sakamoto's ten times bigger than I am in Japan. Mm. And it's a Japanese film, so. Mm. I mean, Sakamoto's done a lot of film scores, too. He did, yeah, he did he, the score uh, for The Revenant. Yeah, re- and, um, and I, I think he and he and Byrne shared the Oscar for the score of uh, oh, Last Emperor. Last Emperor, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just made me want to watch The Last Emperor also, because I just yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to see everything with his scores, because that song is just, I went and bought the song immediately on iTunes. Yeah. And that's not something I do ever. I don't buy anything on itunes so yeah. i just had to have it though and i listened to it on the way here and it's phenomenal and i just even the first scene was really great even without the subtitles the whenever he goes in and gets him and he hits that one guy on the head with the bamboo thing yeah that's all it's just awesome i was just like i was totally in i was like i am ready for this and then that's such no a bummer yeah so yeah. total but I'm, I'm honestly thinking about blind buying it on criterion because yeah. i like the opening so much i yeah. might just get it and chance it because yeah. I don't know how else I'll even see it at this point. Might so. have helped you out well, there a little bit. I can loan it to you. Do you have it? Yeah. You have the Criterion? Yeah, Blu-ray. Blue? Oh, yeah, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, no, let's go on to... Probably still blind by it. Do you have any more watches? <laughs> I'll buy it after. Um, no. Okay. Let's go on to Kevin. What you been watching? Okay, well, uh, we already we already spent quite a bit of time on it, so let's see. Uh, just go through a couple of these real quick. Uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Boring. Uh ouch yeah I like Place Beyond the Pines a lot uh, I, have you I, seen Blue Valentine no but I probably should you should it's better but uh, but I, I like both but I think Blue Valentine is a, the more the stronger film for okay. sure uh, let's see Francis Ha pretty good um, love Francis Ha yeah. me love too love Noah Baumbach love Noah Baumbach and Francis Ha cool what was your star rating for that uh, three three <laughs> what, what brought it down for you Three is like a, a super pass that is, for Kevin. That is, <laughs> he loves a film if it's three. Yeah, yeah. Two star If it's five, it like blew his mind, you know? <laughs> I, like, the performances are are really good. Uh, Greta Gerwig does a great job. I just didn't feel like the plot was very interesting. Um, it it just, yeah, it just didn't blow me away. What I, plot? I should have asked. Yeah, good question. I should have like asked Two though. Star Ted over here what brought it up for you. You don't. You don't. You're not a big fan of uh, of Linklater, though, right? I've let's see. Like you haven't seen. The I've be- seen like you, four of his movies. Have you seen the Before trilogy? Yep. Or like, uh, I mean, you seen Slacker? You like Slacker, right? I need to watch it again. It's been jeez, maybe ten years since I've seen Slacker. I think Francis Ha is like a like a Linklater film, except Francis Ha has more plot in it. Than mm-hmm. a Linklater film, yeah. Like everybody well, wants some. Like more, the most recent film uh, uh-huh. before his, his most most recent one that's not come out yet. But uh, everybody wants some. It's like I went to go see it with a friend of friend of mine, Sean, and his girlfriend, and then my my wife Nicole. And uh, of course, Sean and I liked it a lot. I I loved it. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. uh, and Nicole just hated it. <laughs> she can't do that. She can't deal with like just hanging out with characters. Like she needs something to happen, or like thirty percent right, conflict right. or something. And everybody wants some. It's just literally the story of these guys who are on a baseball team in college before college starts and a couple of days before college starts. And they're just partying nonstop and just talking right. about life and it's just you know it's classic so she, she, she can't stand that yeah <laughs> uh yeah i i mean it was funny they're good performances but it, it wasn't anything that like really like floored me mm. um but yeah like link later i've seen slacker I've seen Days and Confused, but it's been forever. I don't really remember much about it. Um, Scanner Darkly, which I thought was actually pretty good. 
and Bernie, which I oh yeah, you love. like Bernie? Yeah, yeah I yeah. still haven't seen Bernie. You should see you should see some other some other of his films, man. You should yeah. see the Before yeah. trilogy, especially. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay. Before Sunrise, for sure. Okay. All right, what I'll else you got? Uh, let's see. And on Jordan's recommendation, watched Leningrad Cowboys Go, Amer- Go America. Yes. Liked it more than Jordan. He did. I did, actually. <laughs> it blew like, his mind. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Like, I got to the end. I was like, yeah, there's nothing that I, like, did not like about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was laughing throughout pretty much the entire thing. I thought the music was really well done. Uh, like I love, I love the little, the little uh cards uh between scenes. The I title thought, cards. Yeah, yeah, the little title card. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like busting out laughing just thinking about them. Yeah, and yeah, like uh, like you know uh the cars and the guy the guy. <laughs> The guy's hairstyles and their yeah, shoes. And their shoes. And that poor one, and that one poor guy who's like bald except for this one teensy tiny little patch at the front of his head. Igor the village Igor idiot. The villi- yeah, like, yeah. No, he will not come. Your hair is too short. And he, you know, he licks his fingers and tries to stretch it out as much as he possibly can. And he gives like hay to the barber. It's like, can you, can you do this? No, I'm sorry. Your hair is too short. <laughs> like, you laugh, but you feel so bad for him at the same time. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I loved it. I think on a rewatch, it would go up to like a four for me. I did really enjoy it. It was okay. really funny. Like yeah. I said, in my uh, letterbox review. It's like as if Jim Jarmusch had like a wacky Finnish cousin. Yeah, and made a movie or made a bunch of movies actually, but uh, that's the only one of Karsmaki that I've seen. But uh, right. I plan on watching. A lot more. I've got his uh, Proletariat trilogy oh, checked out, so I'm going to get into that. And then there's the sequel, Leningrad Cowboys uh, Meet, Meet Moses. Moses. So. And the Total Balalaika Show. Yeah. It's like yeah. a concert yeah. film. Got some Cars Mikey fans over here. That's right. Let's see. Um, let's see. Off air, John and I had a little trivial pursuit battle, and he and I lost, so he asked me to watch Killing Them Softly. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And I thought there were. I, let's see. Yeah, he was gave, able to identify a last action hero before you. <laughs> that's right, and name the director. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so Killing Them Softly was pretty good. Give that three and a half. Um, How do you feel about the political subtext? Because uh, a lot I, of people I, hate that stuff, you know. I can take it or leave it. I yeah. mean, I don't like it, it's there, but I wouldn't say it's uh, intrusive on the movie. Really? And, well, That's like I, the main, I wouldn't. I agree. But, I don't. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Either. I actually really like it. I like how he's trying yeah. to mirror the financial crisis with the whole, you know, like like the, the whole mafia uh, uh, system and everything and the, the robbery. But uh, yeah. but a lot of people find it. Just what you said, they find it intrusive, you know, like the, like the fact that there are like TVs going everywhere they go, and there's like a radio on. With, they're talking about, you know, the, yeah, and you're always hearing Bush or your yeah. or Obama, and and yeah, there's Brad Pitt's diatribe at the end. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, I really like all that though, and I think Brad Pitt especially is. I love him in the movie. Yeah, like the uh, I think the for me the best scenes in the movie are the ones with, between him and uh, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, like. I have to walk them through it. 
what by the hand like they're retarded children. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so good. I mean, either either way, he's gonna die. Save him some trouble. Save uh, yourself yeah. some trouble. Save yourself that. some money. Yeah, yeah like, I love that. Him trying to talk him out of doing, and then and then he yeah. exactly what he says happened is gonna happen happens. Exactly. They beat the guy up, and then they end up having to kill him. <laughs> like it's exactly. like ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like the only the only let's see the the scene where they're beating up Ray Liotta, like what. What if they like slow? Like it's not slow motion, but it it's is like, weird. I don't know what they're doing. It's like yeah, it's like step photography or something. They're like, yeah, they're, I really didn't like that. That like, oh, took, really? yeah, for I me that took it. it like way out. Like oh. I was because like it's real hardcore. It's, so it's intense. Like, yeah, yeah, and so I figured like personally, I would have rather seen it. You know, the standard speed. Sure. Um, I think. That what about be, the shoot, when they shoot him? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I thought that was pretty well done. You know what's interesting about that is that mm-hmm. um watched Blue Velvet not long after I saw it on Blu-ray for the first after I saw Killing Softly on Blu-ray for the first time. I saw it four times in the theater, but mm-hmm. <laughs> after I watched it on Blu-ray, I uh watched Blue Velvet not long after and uh that song from Blue Velvet, uh, uh-huh. the song from that from Killing Softly when he's shooting him. Oh right. Uh uh Love Letter Straight from My Heart is uh-huh. in Blue Velvet, and oh. Dennis Hopper quotes it. He says, "You know what?" He says, "You know what a love letter is." Mm-hmm. He says, "It's a bullet fucker," and you know he's, yeah, he's yeah, screaming yeah. at Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, and it's like that's I don't know. It's like the, it's interesting how Killian Softly plays that song while he's shooting bullets. You know, <laughs> like he's yeah, killing yeah. him. It's a love. That's his love letter <laughs> yeah. to Ray Liotta. I, I yeah, I really I really enjoy. It. I think the stylistically, it's like one of the more beautiful films in recent memory for me. I think. Yeah, and it's funny like. Um, I watched the um, uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises the other day, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn is mm. the uh, the heroin addict, right? Right. And uh, and he's also in Place Beyond the Pines, mm-hmm. so it's like an interesting thing oh, yeah. to like, see him in a couple. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> see him in a couple of different movies. He's great. I love Ben Mendelsohn too. Is yeah. he the actor that was in uh, Rogue One? Yeah, he was the director. Yeah. Um, I feel like I mean, uh, I have a lot of problems with Rogue One. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, th- it I think. Up, Kevin. I think. Well, Trigger I think. Memory. <laughs> for you too, man. Like you had plenty. You yeah, had plenty yeah. to say about this movie too. Yeah. I don't like it. Either. My passion yeah. is fizzled uh, out on it. There. Did you even see it? Yeah. Okay. In the it, theater, I see everything, man. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, I. Sh- I don't. I'm not a big Star Wars fan to begin with. Oh, right, I, right. I think Force Awakens is the best Star Wars movie. So that'll show you where I'm coming from. But. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even that great. It's I gave it a four. Oh, I speaking like it. of uh, Star Wars and movie news and stuff, did y'all see that J.J. Abrams is not going to be directing the yeah. the last of the trilogy? I'm fine with it. I don't. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't have, have a problem. Colin with it. Trevorrow is the worst. Yeah, so. yeah. I much prefer J.J. Abrams over Colin yeah. Trevorrow. Yeah, because yeah. so. yeah, Trevorrow directed Jurassic World, which is horrible. Yeah. And before, I mean, I enjoyed Jurassic yeah, World to a point, but uh, I can't see him making a good Star Wars film though. Yeah, I yeah I don't know I don't I don't I'm I I don't know how good the uh, the new the next one's gonna Ryan be, Johnson honestly I don't I'm excited he, to see what he'll do with it I mean, I'm just yeah, not really yeah. I just don't really, I don't know how yeah. much I care but I'll, like, I'll see it yeah. but I mean yeah yeah I mean yeah. I'm just not a big uh, like I say just not, not a big Star, Star Wars guy, guy yeah so. yeah. Okay, so but Ben Mendelsohn does rule. Yeah, yeah, I he's, thought he he's was actually probably, he's actually a really good character. You should actor. watch uh, if you really if you like only if you like Ben Mendelsohn a lot. You should check out Mississippi Grind. Okay, with Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. Cool. It's, cool, he's good. He plays a degenerate gambler. It's pretty good. Nice. I thought kinda, he kinda was like uh, Rounders almost. Have oh, you seen okay. Rounders? I have, but it's been a long okay, time. It's kind of like that, except not nearly as good as that movie. But it is good. Okay. In, it's good in its own way. Right. I thought he was pretty decent in Rogue One. Like he was probably one of the better parts. 
Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he's great. He's, he's also in, I don't know if you, you watch Girls. Have you seen Girls? No. He's, he's in Girls for an episode. He plays one of the girls' fathers. He's really good in that, too. Cool. He's just, every time I see him, I'm just like, eh, that guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knows what he's doing. Let's see. Uh, what else you got? Let's see. Uh, continuing on my Burt Lancaster kick, watched uh, Rope of Sand, which is basically like, it's basically they're trying. They're obviously trying to remake Casablanca, but it's just not working. Give that one a two and a half. Uh, and let's see. From here to eternity, just cements my argument that Sinatra is a better actor than he is a singer. He rules in this movie. Burt Lancaster is also really good, but the movie itself is actually kind of boring. And uh, John, um, mm. you might, might probably probably not, but. Uh, nah. If you're looking for an older movie, uh, I watched Elmer Gantry this morning, which is about uh, Burt Lancaster is this kind of like traveling salesman slash like inept con man, and he happens upon a tent revival, falls in love with the preacher, and um, he becomes kind of an evangelical preacher himself. <coughs> And that sounds interesting. I think, isn't yeah. that based on a book? Yeah, Sinclair Lewis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I still remember seeing that book when I worked here. Yeah, and, um, like, I think, like, yeah, the movie, honestly, is not that great. Um, Burt Lancaster won the Academy Award. I mean, I think he's as good as, you know, any of the other stuff that I've seen him in in this movie. But, again, the movie itself is just not that great. And mm. they really, they really shy. I mean, it was made in 1960. And it had like an actual disclaimer about how you know abusing religion is bad, but you shouldn't w- let impressionable kids watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think the like, I mean, yeah, it's a movie. It's made made by Hollywood, so and it's 1960, so it's not going to be right down the middle as far as like points of view. But uh, you know, but, uh, Bert, Bert Lancaster but, uh, is good. Reminds yeah. me of uh, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but um, mm. but um. All right, let's move on. <laughs> all right, for yeah, I'm gonna all. keep it. Uh, I'm gonna keep it short for my watches because honestly, I only watched two films. Uh, but one of them was three hours long. So, <laughs> I also watched Leningrad Cowboys Go America. We kind of talked about that. My only real beef with that film was the ending. I didn't really care for. Uh, you mentioned the title cards, and it was successful for most of the film, but. Uh, just the way it ended kind of left me a little dissatisfied. I wanted a little bit more. But, you know, overall it was really funny. Like I said, I think when I rewatch it, it'll go up a little bit. I can see that. All right, and uh, for for John's assignment to me, what, two weeks back? I failed to watch it last week, but I did get around to it this week. I watched Hard to Be a God, which is a three-hour Russian film, a sci-fi flick um, set on another planet, Akinar, something like that. Whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Some strange <laughs> Russian name. Uh, and it pretty much follows... Well, I'm getting all this from the synopsis on IMDb because, honestly, I don't think I would either otherwise and or other than the narration in the beginning. But uh, it follows scientists on this other planet who are there to... Uh, guide civilization towards uh, some sort of renaissance or past their middle ages. It's exist, you know, they go there during their own middle ages on the planet, and uh, it follows a character, Don Rumata, I believe his name is, and uh, shows him wandering around in filth and muck and mire and playing a jazz clarinet, uh, 
and there's so much filth and feces and urine and just L- real urine just yeah people and pissing on screen it's, it's real <laughs> it's, <phenomenal. Yeah>, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous um and it's all kind of shot in this documentary style like as if you're watching footage from like real footage from this planet of the as the scientists film it um I, I will give it that the the set designs and the sound design on this film are amazing. I mean, it took them from what six years to film it, and then like another number of years to you know design the sound. And I think that's it's strange, like to see a film that is so like its successes to me. Its successes are also like its greatest failures. Like I feel like the set design is amazing. The documentary style, like they they are really building a world here and you know three hours you're immersed like you're in that world and it feels very real to a point and you know i give it that i think that's an amazing aspect of the film but for me like that was also the greatest failure of the film is like i feel like because of the direct like it feels indulgent like the director is so committed to one the documentary style and the set pieces and the the realism he's trying to convey that the story or the characters or the motivations of the characters are so buried in there that really honestly maybe it was just me I couldn't follow about 70% of the film I didn't know what was happening from scene to scene or like why we were visiting these different groups of people or who they were or anything um I felt like I, you know, he. It's kind of like a one-note film. Like he's really driving home, like this is barbaric and this is filthy and this is disgusting. But I'm like, all right, three hours, dude. I got it in like the first twenty minutes. Let's give me something else. Give me something to chew on. Because right now all I'm chewing on is a bunch of poop, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I mean, and. Like I, can't, I lost count of how many times characters walked in front of the camera, stared into the camera, and then just blew snot on the ground, like inexplicably for no reason. Like it felt very like like I said, it's realistic to a point because at that point it feels very forced, where the director's like, everybody just be dis- as disgusting as possible, like blow snot, spit. Like every time he takes a drink of something, he's just spitting on the ground. I'm like. I guess because everything tastes horrible in this place. I mean, why wouldn't it? Because it's literally covered in crap everywhere you go. But that part of it felt a little forced. And, like, um, also the style of the camera where, like, you know, it's beautiful shots, like beautiful cinematography moving in and out of these elaborate, muddied landscapes. I'm like, how did they even accomplish this? They must have had, like, a 200-foot-yard jib arm or something to go into, like, all these places without, you know, the camera just gliding, being smooth. But, uh, I'm sure they're using Steadicam for all of it, I'm sure. Well, I remember particular shots where it's like, they couldn't have used Steadicam. I mean, any shot where it's, like, like following... You know, most like I'm of the sure shots, they did. Most use of the shots are like cam. following him through through uh, buildings and corridors. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. But like when they're outside in the mud and stuff, I'm oh, like, yeah. how could they have used Steadicam? I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure they used lots of Steadicam. Anyways, the and yeah, there's lots of indoor scenes where like there's just chains or ropes hanging in front of the camera, and that's like probably about seventy percent of the movie as well. Where that as well felt a little forced. Like he's trying to create a realistic you know world Mm -hmm. but that took me out of it a little bit i'm like 
okay, like the camera guy, the supposed camera guy, like filming this, don't you think he would have moved aside a little bit to like get some of this crap out of the way? I don't know. I shot of another film to recommend to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you said I, chains and ropes, I did think of uh, I did think of some other films while I watched this. I actually thought of the comedy that you um, made mm. us watch a couple of weeks ago. Just mm-hmm. just in the one note aspect, where it's like it feels disconnected scene to scene and and random, and like they're you know just trying things um, you know from set piece to set piece. Um, but yeah, it, it felt very like one note in that same sense from like, all right, with three hours and like your life love project from German, the director, like I feel like, and in being based on the book too, like just from reading about it, like it has hints of like a really interesting story. Like I was interested in parts to see like, you know, the scientists and how they're interacting with the village people or the, you know, the medieval groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that was just so buried beneath everything else and just like the randomness of the scenes that I just, I felt like I walked away with not much. I didn't really get much out of it. But, you know. That's that, okay. That's me. 2.5. I I, I, uh, I gave this movie a, a, a 5 out of 5. And, yeah. Um, I love it. And, uh. I could see why you'd like it. I don't love, I don't love it in the, in the way that like I love, you know, like, uh, Killing Them Softly, for instance. Mm-hmm. So. I can watch Killing Him Softly anytime because it's just enjoyable. This movie's not enjoyable to watch no, at all, but um, not at all. but it's it's like Stalker because it's it's just, I think it has a lot in common with Stalker actually yeah. because Stalker is a, another film that's based on a book that is by the same authors and it's well is essentially a, a science fiction you know uh, adventure novel mm-hmm. that the directors have come in and turned into something that is meditative and uh, uh, you know not. They, they they stripped away the genre elements of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I don't have a problem with that. Like I don't care about the, the sci fi ness of it no. or the scientists pushing well, it into a renaissance or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. really care about I mean about that any was of that. that was and that's not what I'm really missing, but that was an interesting aspect of the film where like it it, it does have like the sci fi premise, but I did enjoy the fact that like even though this is present day or in the future like the whole idea of like going to another world that's in like their own medieval period yeah i thought that was interesting no it's an interesting idea i agree yeah. and i think it gives them i think the reason you do this movie and or this story instead of you know just setting it in the medieval times on earth is that it gives you leeway to do things like the things that you've been complaining about like uh people behaving in ways that don't seem genuine mm-hmm. you can write it off as they're they're not human they're aliens they're uh. Acting in ways that are normal to them uh, in their world, which aren't that dissimilar from us, but it might be a little bit dissimilar. I never mm. really thought of them as aliens. But like they are. Like I guess I thought of the world as an alien place, but I guess just because I'm looking at other humans and they don't go to any links to like distinguish them right. as the aliens, it's just like oh, these are lots of grotesque-looking medieval people. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I think they're supposed. I mean, they're obviously they didn't like put makeup on to make them look like aliens, yeah. but. They are technically. They did a good they're job of an, finding really ugly people. Well, they're from another planet. That was my yeah. point. I yeah, mean, yeah. So technically, they're aliens, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like they're, the middle. Their Middle Ages is not our Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a similar time period, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Yeah. And um, I lots think of similarities. I think but, you, yeah, yeah, I think you get away, you can get away with a lot of things by by doing that. But um, I I agree. I think the cinematography rules, and I I have a laundry list of movies that it reminded me of when I was watching it, and uh. Yeah, saw I, that on your letterbox. Yeah, and I Andrei uh, Rublev. And... Yeah, Ru- Ru- a lot of Tarkovsky. Yes, yeah. uh, very Tarkovsky. Slacker. Uh, I, I I was reminded of uh, Elias Mirage's Begotten. 
which is like an experimental film uh, that he made, and um, just a lot of different uh, Kalatozov films, uh, Soy Cuba, and uh, Letters Never Sent, uh, Letter Never Sent, uh, just because of the cinematography mainly. I think a lot of the Russian directors, uh, even now, kind of follow that same, they all have that same look. Like yeah. they like to use steady cam, they like to use wide angle lenses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, you know, I just, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it's okay that you didn't enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's a challenging watch. It's important watch. that yeah. you watch it. Yeah. It's important it that you watch it. It was important to see, but it yeah. was a definitely a challenging watch. Not, nothing I'd probably ever revisit, honestly. Well, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch it 10 times before I die. That's my goal. <laughs> that's your goal. That's your bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so we're going to move on to our deep dive review. Uh, this week we watched two films. Up first is going to be Under the Skin. I actually didn't watch this uh, just for different personal reasons, but John and Kevin are going to get into it. Uh, John, you want to give us the synopsis? Yes, Under the Skin is about a woman who is an alien and who picks up men uh, for uh, nefarious reasons to... Uh, put them under the black stuff in her house <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they the void. they uh yeah they and then they die in the void by becoming skin sacks and then uh she i want to see that description on imdb <laughs> pretty good and then uh but yeah i uh that that's that is literally what it's about and then just kind of about her discovering that she is an alien because she doesn't seem to understand 100 that she is all right hmm. well before we get into the review uh john and myself, we're gonna guess Kevin's star rating for this. Our, our it's real be difficult for you having not seen it. Well, yeah, but <laughs> and it will be. Yeah, but from what I know about the film, and from what I know about Kevin, I think it'll be interesting to try at least. Okay, but, but our real battle will be later for the hired hand. So, John, what do you think uh, Kevin gave this? Film? I think two star Ted went two stars on this. All right, I'm gonna say two star Ted went low and gave it like a one or one and a half. So we shall see after we do the review. Oh, after we do the after review. After we do it. Okay. All right, so John, since this was your pick yep. for the week and yep. uh, you're, it's beloved by you. So I love it. Let's, uh, let's hear your review of it. This is the third film from Jonathan Glazer, who's one of my favorite directors. And uh, like I was saying in last week's episode, I think it's his first uh, like wholly unique uh, piece of cinema that he's done. And uh, I mean, not to take anything away from Sexy Beast or Birth, I actually think I probably prefer birth to this movie but um it's definitely like highly influenced and obviously influenced by kubrick and other directors and mm. this movie i don't feel that uh that same influence as i mean there's definitely some kubrickian imagery in this film yeah but um i don't think that it's overall i don't think you could point to another director and say this is like one of his films this is like a jonathan glazer film in my opinion mm. and uh i loved it i loved rewatching it uh, i've been meaning to rewatch it for a long time uh, I've had the Blu-ray for a while, and I just really, really, really enjoy it. I like how, uh, I don't know what the word is, like vague it is, how there, there's not a lot of, ex- I like any movie that doesn't feel the need to explain things. I hate exposition. Um, I like a film that doesn't consider me to be a moron or the audience to be stupid and can't understand things through visual language. Mm. Uh, so I really enjoy like how the film starts uh, is just you know shots of what you assume I guess after you watch it maybe uh, is is her ship bringing her to earth did you get this mm, 
When when was this? The in, white in the, in the very the very first shots. Right. The white cylinder um, and the uh, they're white like donut and then like there's like a black cylinder and yeah. And then there's like and there's like there's like you can that hear. That might have been another part of the house. Oh really? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I assume I, the house is part of this ship too. But honestly, on that like. I don't know that it's necessary to look at any of it as literal either, because like for yeah, instance, yeah. the first the first time you see Scarlett Johansson and she's undressing the woman, mm-hmm. they're in like the white space, yeah, and it's yeah. like that's clearly not. And then, but when she leaves the white space, she's in a in a room in that house, right? But it's like where what is this white space? I think it's just like almost like a uh, like you think of. Uh, like Von Trier's Dogville, you know, where he just sets it on a stage, and it almost feels like that. It feels like we're well, just going to set this in like this white space, so we're not distracted from what's happening. Almost, right. you know. Or could that be symbolic, like of her birth or something? Yeah, I mean, poss- that too, right? That that makes a lot of sense. And she is nude in that scene at the beginning, you know, before she takes the clothes and gets dressed. Um, so yeah, but uh, I I like all of that. I like the the interpret, you know, the open interpretation of it uh, to an extent. And, uh, yeah, because you're a big fan of authorial intent. I do. I am, and I think that there is authorial intent with the movie as a whole. <laughs> with the movie as mm. a whole, I mean, I don't think that. If okay, for instance, what you just said about the birth, right? If Jonathan Glazer came out and said that's not what's happening there at all. It's it's actually she's inside the sh- spaceship, and that's why it's white. Mm-hmm. Then she's inside the spaceship, yeah. and that's why it's white. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You can't. I mean, I don't, I mean you I'm not can read it that way, but yeah, yeah, you're not gonna yeah. say that it's, that meaning is not true. I mean, yeah, you can read anything into anything. I can yeah, yeah. read meaning into the Pink Panther. You know, it's like it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make it there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So there's but, a Pink Panther in the film. So anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really I really like it. I. Uh, I find it uh, intriguing and interesting from beginning to end, and uh, really love the cinematography. Love all the scenery shots. Any shots of nature in it are absolutely incredible. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson is amazing in it. I think she's. Uh, it's unfortunate the trajectory that uh, her career has taken um, <laughs> with the Marvel films and. Uh, Lucy in the shell and Ghost Lucy. Shell, I mean, Lucy yeah. is like I understand why you would do something like Lucy with, uh, you know, a visionary director like Luc Besson used to be, and uh, or I mean, he still is. I like Valerian, yeah, obviously, made but Valerian, it's like just downhill. From <laughs> but it's like Lucy was a you know was a mistake, but uh, or a misstep. But uh, it's just it's she started out with so much promise, you know, and now and it's like and she's when she did Under the Skin, she did uh, her in the same year, I think, and it okay. felt like she was going to be doing you know better things johannesons yeah but she she just kind of uh, reverted back in avengers 2 or whatever but no, who knows um i try to get out and they just keep pulling me back uh, you gotta do it for that that paycheck i'm sure they're paying her more than jonathan glazer did yeah, uh sure, yeah. i like the use of hidden camera i like non-actors like the the idea that she's talking to like real people in some of the scenes yeah. I don't know if you you read about this. Yeah, apparently, yeah. like uh, she could just walk down the streets of uh, was it Edinburgh or yeah, somewhere, some, in somewhere in Scotland, yeah. and apparently a lot of people did not recognize her. Yeah, or they thought it was her, but they were like, "No, that can't be Scarlett Johansson." Which I could see too, because I mean, she's not. I mean, she's a star and everything, but she's not like a huge, huge star. You know, it's not yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't even know who you'd say. Like, hey, uh, it's Lucy Liu. <laughs> Lucy Liu. Uh, yeah, it's not somebody who's so distinct where you'd be like, "Wow, you know." It's like Tom yeah, Cruise yeah. walking yeah, down yeah, the street, yeah. you'd recognize him. You know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I liked all that. I liked the the how he. I like how 
he blurs the line too. Like sometimes there'll be a person who walks up and she'll start talking to them, and I don't know if they're an actor or not. That's yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's real or not until they like, you know, get into the thing and then they end up naked later on. You know, <laughs> are you yeah, aware? Yeah. Uh, like having not read anything about it, would you be aware that there's non-actors like a hidden camera kind of deal? Um, I don't know. Maybe if you were like a savvy, like if you under like if you'd watched a lot of movies and you understand like camera placement and stuff. I mean, like. The cameras mm. are in the van, and they're placed at kind of strange angles because they're hidden. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, but other than that, I don't think so. It's not like um, like in uh, Harmony Corinne's film, Julian Donkey Boy, they use hidden cameras also. And it's very obvious because she's, uh, <laughs> like Chloe Sevigny, is just wearing a, a like a spy cam on her, on her sweater. And, like, when it cuts to the footage, it's horrible looking, you know, because it's, like, 1999. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Camera. And uh, and it's like crooked and everything, you know. <laughs> and she's talking to the people at the thrift store about baby clothes and okay. you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I love it. Five out of five. Brilliant. I love. The, oh, can I just say too? I love it. The scene at the end when she's in the forest. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And she goes to sleep in that shelter. Yeah. And then yeah. it shows the trees, and then it like fades her end into the trees. Come mm-hmm. on, come on. Yeah. Come on, give it to me. <laughs> 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 All right, Kevin. All right, uh, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't bring this up. Mm. The beach uh, scene? Well, no. <laughs> the score. Oh, the score rules. The score. I have is the score brilliant. on vinyl. It's amazing. It's uh, Michael Levi or Levy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, she's great. But yeah, it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's literally perfect for this movie. Like, it honestly works as sound design too. Like sometimes yeah, I don't yeah. even know that it's the score and it's just like noises and stuff. It's yeah. It's and like, yeah. Like, and like sometimes there are certain cues for like certain scenes. Mm. And like, I liked the fact that there's like kind of, um, I don't know if it's like a wood block or like some, some other kind of percussion thing that like you typically hear in, uh, Japanese, like samurai movies. Yeah. Um, uh, that I thought added like a really like, otherworldly sure. quality to it but yeah the the sound design and the score are just so good yeah and i agree with the cinematography like that that first that first scene where she's like she's taking the other girl's clothes off and then like she looks at the body and like you have no idea what she's seeing because it's like totally like black body and then white background and she like puts her hand to, to it and there's a close-up of her hand and there's an ant crawling on her oh, finger yeah. that was that ruled that was brilliant and they cut they do the extreme close-up of the ant yes that was amazing yes. i forgot all about that yeah. <laughs> that was great yeah. and uh yeah and yeah that scene that scene on the beach was hardcore man. absolutely like, absolutely terrifying too i mean just yeah. like completely disturbing and it's like that's not even and that's like that's a disturbing scene yeah but there's so many scenes like that in the film, like where she's just completely apathetic. Like she doesn't understand yeah. human. Like even the, that first scene when she's undressing the woman and the woman, her, the tears start rolling out of yeah, her eyes. Yeah. And just like, she doesn't even, she doesn't give a shit about any, like she doesn't even re, like register with her, you know, she's just like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And honestly, like thinking back on like everything else that I've seen her in, like this is probably, I think Scarlett Johansson's best acting job. Yeah. Because there's there are all those scenes where she never blinks, mm-hmm. and like that takes you know quite a bit of muscle control. So you know maybe <laughs> her non blinking is definitely the the linchpin of the performance. I think 
obviously. <laughs> I think I think it's int- I think honestly though, beyond her just her actual performance, mm-hmm. I think it's like admirable her to even take the role. Like, yeah, and it's, like apparently she was attached to it for like four years. Yeah, oh, so wow. which that's pretty surprising. I mean, it's just like to me, like I can't think of many actresses on her level who would do what she has to do in this film. Not sure, even the nudity. Yeah. I mean, the nudity, sure, but like yeah. the just like the idea that she. I mean, even like little stuff that you don't think about. Like she had to learn how to drive this this van mm-hmm. in Scotland. So like on the wrong side of the road, you know, and then yeah. like she's got to talk to these random people who don't know who she is or don't know they're making a movie yeah at the at, at the beginning anyways i'm sure they had to go get releases or whatever but yeah you know like, just uh, like a lot and it's such an intense uh character you know yeah the and yeah her accent and her word usage was uh was really spot on having watched a lot of british stuff myself um yeah yeah all right yeah what did you feel about like overall or the story or the progression or sequencing and stuff well let's see as far as like story goes like um john can probably agree with me on this like this is one of those things that like doesn't need a like necessarily like a b c story like it's you're following a character and the suspense is not knowing what's going to happen next um and then, like, because you kind of have, like, a vague idea of what's going on. And even, like, the scenes with the void, like, it's, you know, so, like, what is she? Like, you know that she's not human, but, like, is she a cyborg? You know, is she... Okay, that's interesting. So you didn't know she was an alien going into it? Not necessarily. Okay. I, I, like, I, I wanted to go into this movie knowing less than I did sure. going into it, but... But yeah, like I was like, okay, so I know I've un- I understand that like okay, alien, but at the same time it's like alien, interdimensional being, cyborg, etc., mm. etc. Et Ghost in the Shell Part Two, hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I I thought it was interesting, and yeah, then like to see her like um you know like as as she go as she's going on you know it's kind of like a um, like sort of like with Blade Runner with the replicants like they start off as like a clean slate but like you know over time they develop emotions and the emotions inform their empathy and so they start to become more human and I thought that was like you can see that progression in the movie but it's not like it's not beating you over the head with it all right and yeah I thought that was that was really well done okay Getting back to the beach scene, mm-hmm. just love the photography there too. Like the fact that they shoot the whole thing from her perspective. Yeah, like never goes into the water. Yeah, you know, not close up on these people. You don't know who these people are. They're just yeah. like you know, casual tourists or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, she's flirting with the Czech guy, and yeah. then like, and then like, like it's just a like a stack of like stack of horrors unfortunate like, events of, yeah like because <laughs> the dog is drowning events. the wife is drowning uh-huh. the husband is drowning oh. the swim the czech swimmer goes out to save them only is able to come back with the husband husband goes right husband back goes out right back in to say to save the girl and this and literally the entire time the baby is crying oh, just mm. screw wailing and, yeah horrendous and 
And then uh, when the motorcycle guy shows back yeah. up again, and the baby's still there, and this is like hours later, and even he has no interest. Totally in the baby. ignores the baby. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on the motorcycle guy? Very interesting. Also a non-actor. Like, uh, he was a uh, champion motorcyclist. I thought he was great in it. Actually. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he didn't have any lines or anything, but I mean, I he thought didn't his brooding to. presence was very, like, effective. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, yeah, like, again, with, like, visual visual language, visual storytelling, you don't, like, obviously he's kind of in league with uh, Scarlett Johansson's character, but, mm. you, but you're never sure about their relationship because they're never really... They don't have any scenes together, do they? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I always got the impression that he's more like her supervisor or something. Because yeah. he's always cleaning up after her. Exactly. Like he's, yeah. yeah, he's the one who... And he's the one who brings uh, the, the other woman. girl. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so... And he also captures the deformed man. That's right, Whenever yeah. he is, Whenever she lets him go. Yeah, so it's like... So what is this? Is this like some weird, like... Like... Why are they kidnapping the guys? Um, you know, and like what happened to the girl in the first place? And like, so then when you get to the end with, um, you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character dying, it's like, so are they just, is old boy just going to show up and cart her body off too? And there's, there going to be another girl to take Johansson's place? Mm. And, like, you start to wonder, like, so if that happened to Scar- Scarlett Johansson, what happened to the other girl? Like, how far along did she get on her, like, emotional journey? Like, did she start to sympathize with humans as well? Oops. Yeah, Sorry. I don't... Yeah, I... I yeah, that's like, all. These are all interesting questions. Yeah. I, I, uh, I hadn't really thought that deeply about the before her aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean that is interesting, and so you're you're of the of the opinion that the girl she takes the clothes off of is an alien with like she was. I think so. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you know, there, there's there's no way to know unless Glazer... right. She, he goes and gets her. Well, like, I guess you uh, could read the book, but I mean, oh, I don't care whatever. About that. I, <laughs> I didn't realize it was based on a book. Neither I, did I. I barely <laughs> did. Um, <laughs> but it's like he he whenever he gets the woman at the beginning, he he like walks down that hill mm-hmm. and then comes back with her. I yeah. guess that makes sense. So maybe like that's where she died or whatever yeah because i mean because like we don't know what could have happened i never thought about that at all that's really interesting yeah because uh she could like um the seduction could have gone wrong like some like they could have gotten like into the into the void and like they were able to escape somehow or like or she tried to pick him up and then they just you know raped her and killed her Mm. or you know goodness knows what i love the scenes uh when she's seducing the men and leading them into the void mm. and it's very very well done the they're set just walking amazing. right into it and there's no reaction that's what i love the most about it, how yeah. they don't they don't start freaking out or anything they're just trying to do it they just walk into it because they're so it's like they're so hypnotized and mesmerized by her beauty yeah and uh just the full erections that they always have. <laughs> you love that. You part, love huh? this. He has, they, have, they all have full erections when they walk in. I think it's saying something about male sexuality. I'm not really sure what. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I was going to ask y'all about what you thought of the, like, some of the messages of, like, female body, you know, different stuff I've read kind of uh, talked about that, like, playing on the male gaze. And yeah. Well, I mean, clearly she's, clearly Scarlett Johansson is, is a good. She's a good. She's a good person to cast in this part because she Definitely. is. She, she has is like been so sexualized, and yeah. she's obviously like. 
I mean, she's very good looking, and like mm-hmm. uh, I think most men would agree. Like, she doesn't have a kind of um, exotic beauty or anything. She just looks. She's just pretty in a very mm-hmm. conventional way. Yeah, and uh, and it's like even when when he when she has that inner encounter with that guy, and, and she asks him, she says, "You think I'm." I'm pretty, and he goes, yeah. "Oh, you're gorgeous," you know. Yeah. And it's like that's like it's like yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like she doesn't understand that, right? She's like, "Oh, yeah, that's great." Oh, yeah. And, she, and it's yeah. like it's like she's using her obviously she's using her femininity and her beauty to to lure these men. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, sure, like what kind of comment? Yeah, it I'm makes not there. big into that anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure there yeah. is something there. I don't know exactly what it is. I, I you know, people will listen to this. Who have an idea? Like my friend Jonathan loves this movie too. Mm-hmm. He'll probably listen to this and be like, "What a bunch of rubes! They didn't understand <laughs> it at all." You know? Yeah, but so I, I don't know. I don't. We could I, shout out to everybody if yeah. you if you want to give us some feedback sure. here. Send it back to uh, feedback at filmyak dot com. Uh, fe- uh, feedback fe- at podcast. Yeah, <laughs> feedback at filmyak podcast. It should have been feedyak. <laughs> feedyak. Feedyak at filmyak podcast. Where were you when this was being made? I know, right? Well, Nobody asked me. I, I did put on the website yak back at feedback. Ah, that's horrible. At Delete that immediately. <laughs> Love it. Love um, it. What about you, Kevin? Did you what? Did you take anything away from the? Like, the I read commentary? a I read a little bit about it on Wikipedia, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I haven't really given it a lot of thought. I mean. I don't really I, think I, it's I think, necessary. Yeah, to I, enjoy I think it. I think this movie, honestly, this movie I think would work if you got like some good-looking dude and lured girls in the exact same way. Yeah. Like, like the genders could. I think it'd be totally less, be less interesting because it'd be more traditional that way. Because obviously, like uh, men, yeah. men seducing women and or luring them and yeah. killing them somehow is obviously yeah, yeah. more. But um, yeah, I agree. do you feel like? Um, like I feel like the first time I watched it, I knew I knew she was an alien before the movie came out. Okay, and I read about I read about it somewhere. Right, but, um, right. And I feel like that helps with the film. Like I feel like watching it this time and knowing a hundred percent, like I knew knew how it was going to end, knew what she what she was, what she was doing to an extent, mm-hmm. as much as you can. Um, and I feel like it really helped me because I I wasn't I wasn't trying to piece anything together watching it this time. You know, right. So you think that that would help. Uh, or you think it's better to go in like you did blind and not really understand right off the bat what she is or what's going on? Person, like uh, First time viewing, I would say it's better to go in not having any notion of what she is. But I do agree that on second viewing, it's probably even stronger. Yeah, I think it was. I think I enjoyed it more. The second time I, the second time that I've watched it, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed also this all the scenes with um. After she decides to kind of abandon her mission, and she meets that guy who brings her brings right, her home, yeah. and they kind of uh, become friends and try to be lovers. Yeah, I like all that. Her trying to be domestic, essentially, and him yeah. just kind of accepting her like completely mute, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, almost like rigidly weird, you know, person who's just like sitting around. They don't, you know, she just kind of follows him everywhere, and yeah. Then when they try to uh, consummate their relationship, it's very bizarre <laughs> yeah and and again like you don't know exactly why right um the second time you do though see that's what's yeah <laughs> yeah that's what's fun about it so yeah it like, sounds like we might have read kevin wrong on this i think so as far as your i guess your we rating did goes. Yeah. well let's go ahead and reveal that what what star rating for this film? all right 
Oh, no. Whoa. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Two wow. stars, good, Ted. Good for you, bud. My only beef with the movie is that uh, it's towards the end, it's uh, like when she's off gallivanting in the Highlands, I feel like that could have been paced a little better. Like uh, it gets, okay. it gets a little, it gets slow. Yeah, it gets that, a little, yeah, it's a little sluggish for me. But that's I, I that's my that. that's that's literally my only beef with this movie. So the mis- like the mysterious nature of the film, you actually were able to get into that and enjoy that. Oh, totally. Yeah, okay. Because I was thinking that would put you off. Like, oh, this is abstract. Or I was actually thinking yeah. it would be too slow for you. Uh, well, until it, until the end, like. Yeah, I gotta say, like I cannot under, I cannot overemphasize how good the cinematography is, the coloring, uh, the shots, uh, like all the stark backgrounds and foregrounds, yeah. uh, the little Kubrickian nods with the uh, like um, the blood going down the chute, and then the, uh, the like the the when it cuts to red and there's a tiny black dot in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very 2001, but still very well done. And again, like I, like I'll go on about that score and sound design and, you know, against anybody, like bring it on. It's, it's amazing. Have you and s- it fits the movie so well. Like it's perfect for the movie. Did you see, uh, Pablo Lorraine's, uh, Jackie? movie about Jackie Kennedy no the same uh, Michael Levy or Levi or however the hell you say her name she does the score for that too it's really good okay very very interesting and I, I highly, highly with, uh, recommend Natalie Portman yeah yeah it's okay. a great film too but uh, the score is, really elevates it sweet I'll have to check that out I, uh, I can kind of tell maybe you're into this because uh, I saw him walking around with birth now from uh, checking it out from yeah, the library. Yeah. Good so for you, like, and I'm, Good I'm, for you. And I'm waiting on Sexy Beast to come in. Right. I think you're going to like both of those. Yeah, because I, I read up about uh, Glazer. I was telling Jonathan... Uh, uh, I was telling Jordan about this earlier. Uh, he directed Karma Police yeah. by uh, Radiohead and Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. Yeah. That's right. Good, uh, good <laughs> beginning there with the music videos. Uh, yeah, I mean, interesting... Karma you know? Police is 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 similar to some of his. Uh, you can see like yeah. you know him on that video I can for see sure. His style. Yeah, yeah, coming through. All right, good job, guys. Let's move on to Thanks, deep. Jordan. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> good job. Good job. You like Talking me. About you that really movie. like me. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our deep dive of the hired hand. Mm. I'm gonna give the synopsis here for those who haven't seen it. Uh, Harry, played by Peter Fonda, he returns home to his wife and farm after drifting with his friend Arch, played by War Notes, and he has to make a difficult decision regarding his loyalties. So, let's do our star rating battle before we get into the review. So here, John, you're going to guess my rating and Kevin's rating. Oh, Since okay. we know what you thought about this film, this is kind of a pick um, via you it as well. It is a pick via me. Yeah. So you guys didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah, turn, turning it on. Um, you gave it five. What no, you, I didn't. I gave it four and a half. Oh yeah, four and a half. <laughs> right. Get your get your head yeah, out of your ass. All right, uh, Jordan probably gave this movie like a three and a half because he sucks. And, uh, <laughs> no quote. Kevin, I, I didn't write down anything today. Uh, Kevin, I think, gave this movie a three. I just don't think you guys got it. <laughs> you guys just didn't get it. It's brutal. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, me and Kevin are going to battle here. 
Oh, try and guess each other's uh, star ratings. Out. That's gonna, right. Yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. I believe you gave this film. I'm gonna guess a three as well. Okay. And I predict that you will give this movie a four. All right. Ooh. Okay. All right. Jordan well, loves this movie. We, <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. We were actually going over that. Like he's rated like I think. A total of six movies, five out of five? Yeah. If, if that, maybe less. Oh, I see what you're doing here. You're looking at my statistics that I showed you the other day. And that I'm like, you sti- showed sti- me. <laughs> statistically, I've rated more films four stars than any other rating. So, Well, statistically, right. I've rated more films two, two stars. stars so. yeah. <laughs> That's why you're two stars ahead. We'll have to think That's of right. a moniker for me. Yeah. All right, so uh, my review of The Hired Hand, I thought it was really great. I liked the simplicity of the story and its structure. I thought that it had a, a nice balance of like the meandering, poetic shots, you know, the western and the desert and everything. But it it had a good combination of that along with like almost like a parable story, like like a western story, and there was enough action, but it almost felt like almost like a fable, you know, or like almost like this ancient type of story played out in a western genre I don't know um, I thought Warren Oates was great in it I thought you know by far he was you know as usual dynamic and entertaining and just fun to watch and he had so many great lines in this film like when he's talking to um, the wife Verna Bloom and she's like it's just a matter of time before Harry leaves and he's like yeah ma'am well most things are just a matter of time I don't know. Like, I don't know why I thought that was so good. It's but a good line. It's a yeah, good line. Yeah. And then when they're going into town, and you know, Peter Fonda's like, you know, you go set up the beers, and I'll I'll go do whatever we're doing at the general store or whatever. And Hornotes is like, sounds like a reasonable division of labor to me. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yes. Just like I laughed out loud. That's like you had so many my, good lines. My favorite part of of uh, his performance was when the little girl says, "Do you? Uh, I want. Don't forget the candy." And he goes. You don't eat candy, do you? <laughs> you don't eat candy, do you? Yeah. He's the most likable son of a bitch on earth. He's, yeah, he's like very <laughs> likable. I got it written down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and like, as he's driving away, he's waving it. He's like yeah, pointing to it. Candy, candy, yeah. yeah. candy for Jenny. He's great. Candy for Jenny, right here on the paper. Yeah, he was great. Um, yes. I thought I thought Peter Fonda was pretty good. Like obviously with his character, he didn't have as much to work with with Warren Oates. You know, he's like the kind of more silent, brooding type. But I thought he did that well. Mm. Just like his kind of piercing blue eyes, like as he just kind of stares off and he's silent. You know what? It actually reminded me a lot of uh, not not in a lot of aspects, but in a few. One being that Warren Oates is included, but I thought of Tulane Blacktop while watching this, and just the dichotomy of like you know Oates's dynamic character here in The Hired Hand, and then playing GTO in the in Tulane Blacktop. And then com- kind of comparing in my mind Peter Fonda, who's like the silent, death stare, brooding character with James Taylor in Tulane Blacktop. So I'd like to submit an alternative title for The Hired Hand being One Lane Dirt Road. <laughs> Could double feature this. Could try. <laughs> I tried. Um, well, I think they, I think uh, Warren Oates, like, I think he made Tulane. Right. And then right after that, uh, he made. Um, uh, the hired hand. No, two no, is from seventy three. Yeah, he made. Uh, uh, well, he, made he was this in first. two Monty Hellman westerns though. Right, before the this shooting. movie and yeah. 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 riding the whirlwind. 
Yeah, is but, he in Ryan the Rolling? Uh, he's not. He's not in them. They're bundled together by Criterion. Oh, but, uh, Nicholson's in both. Yeah. I thought the uh, the cinematography was also really beautiful. Like, lots of gorgeous shots. Um, the the editing, too, kind of played with that. I thought it was the editing was unique. Like, a lot of the overlapping imagery and, like, um, you know, like, the panning shots blending into, like, static shots. And then, like, the, the static shots of characters, like, you know, just you can tell they're freezing the frame and then blending it into like the next scene. I thought that was interesting. You know, it I felt like it at times it wasn't always successful, but you know, for the most part, it, I felt like it, at least it kind of made it stand out. Like it made the the film as a whole just more interesting. Um, I love the ending. I love the the way it ends, and then it, it's almost like a cyclical nature where you know what happens to Peter Fonda and then, you know, where Oates ends up at the end. Um, I thought that was just really great. I, I like the, the structure. Cool. All right. Kevin, how about you? I thought it was pretty good too. Like, uh, I, uh, coming off of the, uh, Jordan's comment on the cinematography, I loved the shots of the, uh, the windmill. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought those were really great. Um, oh, I forgot. To yeah, I love Warren Oates. Like he's he's great. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I was reading up on him, and uh, like he was in pretty much every western that was on TV in the '60s. Like he's huh. he's in at least one or two episodes of like forty different western series. Okay. He's, so, yeah, he's got that kind of face and his teeth are all sure, kind of yeah. jagged looking. Yeah, <laughs> the, the very first scene with, hey, 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 yeah, come on, I'm gonna fry up some bread. Yeah, we were setting up the DVD to watch it uh, at the library <laughs> and had to keep checking the sound, so we saw that scene about like five times. Yeah, so that that first line is just embedded in How my brain. How many people showed up? It was just me and Kevin. Jeez. <laughs> I know. How do they right? let you keep doing this? <laughs> so we can talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're not checking. Yeah, right. uh, we will. can count ourselves as <laughs> yeah. two stats. Though, yeah, so. oh my, God. we got some stats. Yeah, and I thought uh, Verna Bloom was really great. Like yeah, when, she uh, was great. when, like, um, like Fonda's, like you know, like I've uh, heard some stories about you from some guys in town, and she's like, really, what stories? And she's just, sti- she's just. Like he is like two inches tall at that Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, and And he has no comeback in that. He has no comeback. He has no defense for himself, and you can see it in in her eyes that she's just taking him down. Yeah, and she's like, "I was aching for a man, not you, not because of you, but yeah, just anybody because you left me and everything." Like, yeah, she totally owns him in in most of these scenes. But I love his reaction, how he just silent, like fitting his character. He goes into town and and posts up. You know, no more, uh, no, no help. more hired help needed. No more hired help needed. Yeah, and just yeah, and how uh, she finds out and everything. Yeah, definitely. And um, let's see. Um, also, again, the score. Yes, that's what the, I forgot the, to mention. Too. Yeah, the guitar music in this is yeah. just beautiful. It's it's awesome. And apparently, the guy who did it, uh, Bruce Langhorn, like he was the inspiration for Mister Tambourine Man. Oh, okay. Like he was. I didn't get that. Yeah, uh, I was reading I up read on. Him. I was reading up on him, and like apparently he's uh, he was a session musician. He did a lot with Bob Dylan. Uh, he was around Greenwich Village during okay. the kind of folk revival that was going on in the 50s and 60s. And um, 
Yeah, it yeah. fit the cinematography like perfectly. That the opening yeah. and then like the shots where they're riding across the desert is just like, and then you know at the end too where it just stays on yeah. the barn at the end. It's great. Yeah, it's and a it's, great score. Yeah, it's just there's so much emotion in that score. Mm, yeah, very much brilliant. Anything else as far as the hired hand goes? Uh, I'm just gonna say Warren Oates again because yeah. he's great. Fry up some bread. Fry up some bread. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this was a this was definitely a, a western that I was not aware of, and I'm I'm not very deep in my watches for westerns. Mm. I was thinking the other day, I was like, I think I've only really like purposefully watched like a handful of westerns, so I've got a lot of watching to do. This definitely made me interested to go watch like a bunch of more War Notes and like seventies westerns. So yeah, thank you, John, for that. You're welcome. Well, John, how about you? We know that I you like, like it. this film. I uh, liked it a lot more this time watching it. Um, I love the collage editing. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I like the use of natural blue screen for uh, the scene when they're talking about over the campfire in the oh, beginning, yeah, yeah. and they use the oh, sky yeah. as a blue screen <clears throat> to... Uh, I think that's really, really cool. Um, I love the score as well. I have it on vinyl. It's amazing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great score. Uh, unfortunate for lovers of the score that Langhorn didn't do shit else. He should have recorded some albums because uh, yeah, man. Oh yeah, would have been great. Um, Did he do many more movies or nothing? No, nothing, nothing, that's, that's nothing ridiculous. on anything. I don't that's think. crazy. He might have done one other movie, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So uh, good. Warren Oates is obviously very, very good. He always is. He's got a great laugh. Oh um, yeah, his laugh. Like I say, he's real likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like no negative. There's nothing negative you could say about him in this movie. Uh, his acting or his character? Well, everything. Okay. About his acting, his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just a good guy. Doesn't he, like, touch Verna Bloom's foot yep. at one point? Yep. That was interesting. He rules. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's talking about all the, the men move, she's had, man. and he's just, yeah. like, like, subtly I, I taking... Could probably, I could probably get into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's what, a great thing about the movie, too. It's like, you know, he's, like, he's considering it, but then he's like, no. No, this ain't right. He, yeah, know. he's such a loyal friend. Like, he's yeah, a good yeah. guy. And, like, how he comes back at the end. I yeah. thought that was, like, an interesting play on, you know, where their relationship might go, though. You know, obviously with her mm. aching for a man, and he's he's the one there. Well, I'm sure he'll get pieces. to a uh, nailer soon enough now that Peter Fonda's out of the picture. Well, he's um, living in the bar. Uh I love Verna Bloom in this. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. how good she was the first time I saw it. Uh, her character, Hannah, is definitely, like you guys say, very in control, powerful female character, mm-hmm. which is unusual for a Western, especially. Yeah. But um, yeah. but interesting and not silly. Like, you no. know, you might watch, like, a movie f- that they make now that is set in a time when women were subservient and they make a strong female character and it just seems ridiculous because it's like no woman would ever behave that way back then but she definitely comes off as very authentic yeah um, what was that natalie portman movie janie's got a gun jane's got jane's a gun. got a gun i didn't see it i, yeah, I didn't see it that's well, okay. that sounds like it might be uh <laughs> might be one of those i don't know uh i, I didn't see that and there's another uh, feminist western called uh the keeping room which is i've been meaning to watch but i haven't um seen mm. it. um liked uh 
the cinematography obviously is amazing because it's uh by the same dp as mccabe and mrs miller yes so it rules that's yeah that was i was trying to think yeah of it's got that soft focus a lot yeah uh, especially in the scene with uh that you were talking about where he touches her foot yeah very comes across i thought you didn't lot. like that in mccabe though uh it that. no it's like a you asked if i had if i had to say something negative about it oh it's yeah so that's like I a don't care at all gotcha mccabe and mrs miller is a perfect film it rules we have a question about pure cinema coming up mccabe and mrs miller all right all right <laughs> um I like that it's uh I like the the story of it. I don't really care about the story very much, but I I, I like the where it, like the plot points. I like yeah. their I, again, nothing no exposition, right? Just yeah. kind of like this he, he, their friend dies. Mm-hmm. They don't like the way it happened. They're accept you think like they're going to accept it. But then they decide, eh, let's just go shoot these guys in the foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that was one of my things. It was like, are they just going to accept this and leave? Like, yeah. But then it, the next scene, they're taking the horse. It's awesome. Yeah, when they yeah. shoot that guy in the foot, and then he kicks the other guy in the face. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. he kicks him in the face, and that guy is out, and he's like, God, is like, like he's seriously injured. And it's like, you see so many movies where people get kicked around, and they're just fine. You know, they have a little blood or something. Yeah. This yeah. guy's like horribly injured by getting kicked mm. in the face. It just rules. I love it. I love yeah. the squib on the foot. Yeah. Everything just looks great. And um, the reactions are very good. Yeah. When the guy gets shot in the feet, and he's just like wailing, like yeah. rocking yeah, on yeah. the floor. It's yeah. amazing. Um, I wrote... Uh, that it's a meditation on friendship and marriage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely uh, which that. is my pretentious comment for the show. <laughs> um, Just one equal parts meditation on friendship and marriage slash love. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's all about, you know, it's about their friendship, but it's also about his marriage to this woman. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. almost like his friendship to this woman also. Yeah. Cause he's known Arch a lot longer than he's actually known his wife. Oh yeah. So yeah. like when he comes back, it is an interesting, just like it, you know, like the description says. And uh, well, she even tells him at one way. point, like you yeah, know, like when you went away, like that's what you were looking for. You were looking for a companion who, you know, didn't tax your mind. Yeah. That much. Who's easy to please? Yeah, is what yeah, she yeah. says. And I, I think that's a pretty honest take on, you know, friendship versus a marriage where, like, yeah. it is it is a lot easier just to be friends with somebody and be, like, out there drifting, you know. But then he gets tired of it and wants to come home. So uh, I love the I love the end where, like, Arch rides off and it, like, the camera pans over to, you know, Peter Fonda and his little girl and his wife. And they're all standing on the porch and it's, like, almost picturesque of, like, you know, like, the western family on the porch or whatever you know yeah but you can tell like in that scene and throughout the rest of the film like he's he really wants to go like he's like he he's conflicted like obviously he wants to stay there with his wife and he's trying to grow into that role but yeah i love the conflict there just go man i just go, go. <laughs> yeah i really like that their their goal is to go to the ocean yeah because yeah. that's something you don't i you know, if i had a complaint about this film it would be that you never see them get to the ocean i think it'd be mm. really interesting just a visual yeah. to see cowboys at the shore yeah, yeah. like i don't, that's something you don't see in anything they talk uh, about it a lot yeah. yeah i really like the uh i mean i don't think enough can be said about the the editing i think the editing is brilliant and i like the, the whole opening scene of the fishing and the, mm. the the crazy collage of images and the uh 
even leading up to through the next scene into where the they, the dead body is in the river and mm-hmm. gets hooked on the line. It's all that just rules and mm. Peter Fonda's total disregard for it, like just cuts the cuts line. the line. Screw yeah, this yeah. crap. We gotta get going. <laughs> yeah, my my only critique I think of the film overall would be their friend. The, the acting from young Dan, whatever the actor's oh, name was. Oh, I like was. that guy. You didn't like he him? Was, he was good in the beginning, and like and most of his dialogue was pretty decent. Oh, you don't like his death his scene? His death was rough. Like, his acting was like... <laughs> like have that, you ever gotten <laughs> shot and died? I have. I don't think so, brother. <laughs> but you know what I did think of? Peter Fonda almost and, uh, died. Like, he accidentally shot himself in the stomach. Oh. In the movie? No, uh, when, oh. he was, when he was a real little kid. Oh, oh wow. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. But I did think of... Uh, we talked about Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man a while back, mm. and where uh, the guy gets shot in the neck in that film. Yeah. I could see that being like a reference to this. Dan where gets, Dan shot, gets in shot in the neck. In the neck. Yeah. Uh, liked speaking of shooting. Liked loved the shootout at the end. The yeah. clumsiness of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, thing, Dead Man. I think rips. Just people shooting and missing. Yeah. Just, and the squibs going off on like the yeah, and, like, columns and everything. And and. Uh, Arch having lost a finger and not being able to yeah. maneuver the gun and get yeah, it, you yeah. know, and that's, that's great. It's just amazing, and yeah. uh, I love how it plays out and how uh, Fonda has to uh, just totally execute that guy that ruled that squib was really great too. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. thinking Fonda's out of it, and then he comes <laughs> yeah, back of that last, yeah, bam, you blew see his the blood chest on out. the white shirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. classic, classic Fonda killing. Just yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, really loved it. Uh, another, just Hired Hand is one of those films that's just terribly depressing after you watch it because you realize that Bruce Langhorne never did anything else. Mm-hmm. Peter Fonda directed two other movies that aren't, aren't that shit. Great. You know, like this is clearly mm-hmm. his best film, probably. Have you seen his other two films? No, but they're rated <laughs> PG and they're like, uh, one of them's about a. Like a B sci fi movie or Top something. Gun was rated PG, so. That movie sucks. <laughs> Well, I'm not disputing that, but I'm saying There's like... nothing in Top Gun that's uh, a should be rated more than PG. Sex? Cussing? There's no cussing. And tell me they say the S word a couple of times. Ooh. Yeah. So figure, you know, 13, Ooh. it was around. What year What year was this movie released? 86? 86, yeah. Well, there's no... Uh, they weren't using the PG-13 a lot back then, though, you know? They weren't yeah. using it the same way they're using it now. Okay. I think but if yeah, they re-rated his... it, it'd probably be PG-13. Okay. Anyway, yeah, his other films do just look kind of like B movies. I don't know. What I do like kind of want to see Race with yeah. the Devil though, because it has Warren Oates. Race with the Devil. Yeah, like uh, uh, Peter Fonda and Warren Oates are trying to get away from this satanic cult. Oh yeah, yeah. It's he like directed a, it's that. It's like a Corman thing, isn't I it? I think. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'll have to check on. For a second, oh. I thought you meant Ride with the Devil. No. All right. Angley well, film. that's the. Oh. Let's do the, the uh, star rating reveal. Wait, wait. Kevin had a question. You, yeah. No, no, no. Forget Kevin. Wow. No, I'm what, what's up? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I did want to ask you, uh, did either of you guys read up about the uh, the TV version that oh, has yeah, yeah. like extra scenes? Nope. Yeah, there okay. was apparently like, extra scenes with him and a sheriff, like a yeah. murder investigation. And oh, the sheriff! Somebody plays the sheriff. Who is it? Larry Hagman. Larry Hagman yeah. plays the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's that, and apparently there was some some other thing about Warren Oates needing like a better reason to leave. 
But again, like this goes back to what we were talking about with under the skin and like visual storytelling. Like when they go into the town, they're obviously not welcome there, so it's not a surprise that the kid gets killed. Mm. So of course they're just gonna leave. There's not gonna be a murder yeah. investigation. This is the West. Yeah. yeah, I love how they don't explain any of that. Like they exactly, have to go they, bury him. they just show yeah, they, like they just go bury him, and then they're they're off. Go. Yeah, they just show the cowboys like looking at his horse, and then like yeah, they stage his death. But they you know they don't explain any of that. You just have to yeah, infer yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I mean, great like, visual storytelling. Yeah, because it's easy to infer. Like they don't have a blacksmith. They don't have good. They don't have cold beer. They don't have good liquor. They suck. Yeah, <laughs> Who I wants mean, to live here. Yeah, and like even the bartenders like you know given given them this weird grin and yeah. <laughs> like look, this weird look in his eyes. And uh, like, as, and as far as like Warren Oates needing like a quote unquote better reason for leaving, like guys, like he's the third wheel here. Like, yeah, yeah. like this is a married couple. Obviously, well, he wants to go see the ocean. Well, that too, but well, like no, also but that's like, like his excuse. Oh yeah, that's his excuse. But yeah, but um, but yeah, like this is like like these two are trying to reestablish their marriage. So yeah. like you know, yeah, he could stay on until like whenever, but. You know, he's not a jerk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's not just going to hang around. I want a, yeah. a great guy. Peter yeah. Fonda talked about how like they, you know, he edited all that out because it was just he felt it was extraneous. Exactly. I feel like and it was without all that, it's great. Like just yeah. the simplicity that he's trying to convey, just like the simple story for sure, and the like kind of meandering pace. Like they're worried about you know more character motivation or you know more you know. Like beefing up the plot, but I'm just like, that's not what this movie's trying to do. And obviously, the director's yeah. not trying to do that, and he cuts it out again when they release it on DVD. So it's like, yeah. screw you, TV people. All right, so let's do our star rating reveal All between right. me and Kevin. Well, All right. since this, should I tell what I gave it? You, what you already said? Did I? Yeah, you said uh, four and a half. Yep. Yeah. I gave this movie a four and a half out of five. <laughs> we already heard that. Since it's right. the star rating reveal time. Yeah, so I okay. thought Jordan would give it four, and I actually gave it four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, uh... Boo. <laughs> I gave it four and a half. Okay. Ha ha. You give it the same score as me. He had to copy me. <laughs> That's exactly what I did, John. All right, so who is who is closer in that sense? Because I said you would give it a three. Uh, and I you said I would give it a four. Or, I gave so it a four you gave half. it a four and a half. So you so... win. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you win. All Ooh, right, so what's good. your assignment for me to watch for next week? Jordan, you are going to watch the Disney Three Musketeers <laughs> with Tim Curry. Keeper you haven't Sutherland, seen that? I have Oliver seen Oliver Platt, I have seen this. Charlie. You have? Yeah, I've seen that. Oh. Not for mine, then. Rethink. Kevin. I mean, like, I could rewatch it, but I've seen that's it. Boring. No, 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 no. Um, Life of Brian. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what you said that before. Yeah, that's like his favorite movie of all time. Yeah. So I need to see it. Yeah. All right. Good cool. deal. Well, moving on to our feedback segment here. We Are we uh, talk about what we're planning to watch? No, nah, we skipped that. All right, moving on to our feedback section here. Uh, we've sent out you know requests for feedback on the show before, so Josh Mason writes in, I've heard the term pure cinema thrown around a lot and used it numerous times myself. How would you guys define, quote-unquote, pure cinema? And what are some examples of films that you would label as such? Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh, for writing in. Um, John, you want to take a whack at it? What, what you would call, how would you define pure cinema? 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Movies that it's, come to mind. Uh, my review of Good Time is that it's pure cinema. But uh, that just means to me that it's uh, the purest form of the medium. And it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. And it could be, uh, you know, the term pure cinema. If somebody used that in reality, in like while talking, I think I just like stop the conversation with them immediately and walk away. I, I wrote a review where I, I used the term pure cinema. It's to illustrate how much I enjoyed the film. It's gotcha. got nothing to do with anything. I'm not an academic. I don't care. So it's just uh, an expression of your love. My adoration, your adoration of the film. The film is incredible, and it is pure cinema, but I would never say that out loud okay. uh, because I find that term uh, pretentious and lame. Okay. But... That's your take? Uh other examples of films like that i mean it's just, well it's i think just, you're mincing words here like talking about like oh whoever uses that word is pretentious or whatever sure. but like the idea behind it though is i think what he's asking is you know how like what are the mechanics of a film or like how does a film achieve greatness like what what is it about the films that are great what that is are, great that are pure to you and it's completely subjective i, I think agree. that's what we're going to end up here with but to you john what is what is a great film it's got a star robert pattinson it's got to be directed by the safty brothers it's got to be called Good Time. <laughs> um, I like a lot of movies. I don't know. I mean, movies are good because uh, I hate exposition. I said that earlier. Yeah. If a movie has too much exposition, I hate it. It's not good. Uh, it tear, tears it down for me. Uh, I like good. I like everything. Like, what do you like about movies? I like good cinematography. I like good performances. I like good direction. I don't like uh, being spoon fed. I don't like bad performances. I don't like uh, movies that are plot too plot driven. I don't like uh, movies that uh, use CGI for no reason, just because it's available. Um, I like the films of Paul Thomas Anderson and David Fincher and uh, Alan Clark and Abel Ferreira and the Safdie brothers and. Tarkovsky and Kubrick and whoever else. I like movies. I like everything about them. I like, uh, I think it's the highest. It's not the, I don't think it's the highest. That's, that's an objective. I think it's the best, in my opinion, medium of storytelling. It's the best art medium. I don't think anything else comes close. All right. Kevin, what you got? How would you define pure cinema or what makes a great film? Um, Personally, I I mean when I when I think about a movie, um, I just kind of go down the list of you know performances, directing, writing, cinematography, score, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just think about uh, what parts I thought were lacking, and then that go and then like my emotional reaction when I'm watching the movie, that all goes into you know like how I'll rate the movie or what I'll think about it um and yeah like it's it's really all over the place like it um like uh we were talking earlier about uh the new Aronofsky movie Mother like all of the Aronofsky movies that I've seen I really did not think were all that great I thought they were kind of ridiculous or like just 
I just did not like them. I just couldn't put my finger on anything that I enjoyed about them except for the fountain. And, like, I think the fountain is definitely different from any of his other movies that I've seen. Um, But, yeah, like, everything, like, with the fountain, everything came together. The direction, the way it looks, the score, the acting, the plot, everything was just great. And pure cinema. Pure cinema. Pure, pure cinema. Yes, and uh, but but you know, like uh, like I just gave uh, Leningrad Cowboys Go America five out of five because I I just loved that movie sure. in the moment, mm-hmm. and you know, like even thinking about it now, like like days later, like I'm still thinking about everything that I liked. So yeah, your um, emotional reaction, yeah. Your, Response to the film exactly, yeah. Because yeah, you I mean, don't need to have a, an intellectual, uh, yeah. Because like uh, I didn't coming go- of of you know, like you don't need to. It doesn't need to be something that's like uh, like I agree. It doesn't need to be something that's like, wow, this blew my mind. It's a five star. Yeah, like, yeah. I, if you like a movie enough, it's five stars and it's great and it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Because like uh, like um, in the classical music world, like Mozart is considered. Amongst you know a lot of like uh, critics, et cetera, et cetera, to, he's considered to be the best composer of they all time. They give release five out of five. That was Beethoven. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, but yeah, like personally, yeah, I agree that Mozart has a lot of really great stuff. But personally, I'd rather listen to Mussorgsky or Stravinsky. Or, you know, even Frank, King Frank Zappa, King Crimson. Well, <laughs> sticking more into the into the classical realm. But but yeah, um yeah, it's it's all sub- it's all subjective. Um you know, like uh It's all just opinion. I will say this. Just, yeah. I, I agree and what but what you just said I think uh, that rubs me the wrong way too, <laughs> that you said uh sticking with classical because I feel like genre is a big problem. Uh in, in more in cinema than music, but in music too. But in cinema, well, genre I, is the death of of cinema. It's like the idea that I, you have to categorize things. Like it's like a, I remember Tommy Lee Jones talking about about genre when he said um, I forget what he was talking. Oh, he's talking about um, Cormac McCarthy, and he said, uh, "Oh yeah." He's talking about his novels and his plays, and he was like, "What would you, you know, like what do you, what would you categorize No Country for Old Men as a as a western, or is is Blood Meridian a western? Like these are mm-hmm. like, and it's like they, yeah, they kind of are, but it's like they're they transcend that, you know what I mean? And it's like when I think of a film that I like, I prefer it to transcend a genre. Like I don't want it to be." Like there are certain definitely you know like I like I rewatch Forgetting Sarah Marshall and it's good and it's a comedy and that's all it is like yeah. it's just a comedy it's silly yeah. but and it's com- not trying to be anymore yeah comedies yeah. are their own thing though that's like a separate thing I can't even like get I, it's hard to even rate a comedy because it's just like they're just it's, yeah like, it's funny it's, it's good and yeah, if it's not yeah. it sucks yeah but uh but with other films I mean like like not to keep harping on Good Time I, I but but I mean. Good Time is a film that transcends genre. Like it's, yeah, it's a crime film, sort of, but it's also like this existential crisis of the main character. It's also a character study. It's, I mean, it's a number of different things. It's a, it's a, you could call it even like a, uh, I mean, I don't want to use the term bromance, but it's like a, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a film about a man who's 
everything he's doing is to is with this idea of I got to get my brother out of prison, you know. And it's like it, right, it's about yeah. family. It's like about a, a a bunch of different things. That's like you know, uh, and it's like stylistically, it's like an acid trip. So it's that that's what I'm looking for. So if if I, if I was gonna look for pure cinema, I look for something that is outside of the realms of a Ron Howard film or the conventions of cinema, the, uh, these people who have no balls and, and, uh, make movies like, uh, I mean, cookie cutter manufactured garbage, like, uh, you know, anything Disney produces, anything Marvel produces, any comic book film, really, uh, even, even a movie like it, uh, yeah, it is, it is, you can tell it was made in Hollywood. It's a, it's this cookie cutter horror movie that they, you know, it's like, well, we've, it's just another horror movie. It'll be forgotten in a couple of years after the sequel comes just out. Just to make money. Well, I mean, all films are to make money. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to get into that because the economics yeah, I mean, of it aren't... You can't. It's not fair to talk about that because obviously like, the Safdie brothers would love it if Good Time made millions and millions of dollars. And that would be fine with me. But like all movies are, need to be profitable like in order to for make more movies. Yeah. But it's if you want to talk about it in terms of money, then yeah, it's like... It's, it's the difference between... Uh, my dad builds cabinets, right? right? Okay, my dad builds custom cabinets. He's been doing it since he was 19 years old. He's 63 years old. Uh, he's got a shop that he runs with another guy uh, that he hired on. And they build beautiful custom cabinets. Like, mm-hmm. whatever the people want, they build them, right? Uh, it's like the difference between his cabinets and then going to, like, Lowe's and buying manufactured, manufactured cabinets, you know? It's right. like got this facade of filmmaking, this facade of cinema, but it's not real. Right. You know, it's televisual. It's, yeah. It looks like it was. It looks digital. It looks fake. It looks phony. It's not artisan, or it's not. You know, it's not made with passion. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's art by committee. It's yeah. not. It's not. Uh, there's no. There's no voice in a in a Marvel film. There's no voice in any Marvel film. Yeah. And I. I. You know. Say what you want about. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy is directed by James Gunn, and James Gunn is a. I agree. James Gunn is a filmmaker who has a distinct voice, but I don't. I don't agree. That it comes through in Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. and I don't. I don't you haven't I don't, seen the whole film. I haven't, but I don't. I don't agree that I would. I would argue that uh, Kevin Feige would not allow that to happen because they have a style bible, just like every other big franchise. They have a style bible yeah, yeah. that they have to maintain. Yeah. Every film must be the same, or else we might lose money. They can't well, take think, a risk. I think with there, yeah, you're getting into Hollywood, obviously, and entertainment and popcorn films and you know franchise where yeah there's like an overall arching style and theme that they're they're going for but yeah i think with um with pure cinema you're going to find that with somebody who is like an independent thinker who's who's making the decisions themselves and like you know purposely making a film because it's it comes from a personal place because you know they are trying to convey an idea that's you know very real to them and i think that's where you find the best films like I actually thought of uh, Pure Cinema because of a Jarmish interview that I listened to where he, I forget what film he was talking about, but he's like, it's just Pure Cinema. And then he stops himself and he's like, well, whatever the hell that means. You know, because <laughs> even I, Jarmish realizes when he's being pretentious. Right? Yeah. He's well, he's stop. like, he's like, you know, it is intuitive, it is subjective, it is just your guttural reaction to it. I don't think you can put like a, you know, an, a formula to it because then 
that's just going along with the films that we were talking about, that the art fails when the formula is introduced, when it's just you're following the guidelines set before you. But, you know, obviously filmmakers who are uplifted as, you know, auteurs or great artists are those who are breaking the boundaries, but not just that, but they're not that they're just trying to break the boundaries just to break the boundaries, but they're, they're thinking for themselves They're they're making things that are personal. And I think they're most successful when, yeah, it's personal. It's a subjective experience that they're trying to convey, but when they can connect their ideas to the audience, when the audience, when those ideas come through cleanly and clearly, um, and, you know, you could argue maybe that doesn't always happen for a great film. Like, John, you love Hard to Be a God, and, you know, I disagree. I think the, you know, the ideas are muddied there, but I do have to give uh, German, the director, credit for making that film just the way he did it. Like, well, that's totally where all, outside all the box, of the, you know? all of my love for that film comes from that, though. Yeah, I yeah. Don't, like none of the five stars have anything to do with the story of the film. Oh, I don't yeah. care about the you've, story. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Yeah, it's and not I mean, a it's like element it, that you're interested it's in. It's the no. I mean, I I like a story when it's a good story. It's fine, but I mean, for that film in yeah, particular, yeah. it's the spectacle of that film that gets the five stars for me. It's the for sure. the, the weight of it and how how much it took to get it made is mm-hmm. incredible, and you can see it on screen. It's not like something where it's like they're wasting production value. You can see everything that they did, and it's an incredible feat. Yeah, and that is impressive to me to a point where it's like blows my mind. Yeah, and even it's not a film that I care for. I can still understand that perspective and respect it. Like I respect the film for those aspects of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, just getting to talking about, I guess you know, ultimately, is like a pure cinema film is your five star or your six out of five or whatever. And I think we've talked about this before, where. A five star for me, at least, is not something that I like. If I had to sit down and think about it and be like, "Was that a five star? Or was that a four and a half?" Like, yeah. if it if it doesn't impact me to the degree where like I end it, and I'm like, "Wow, that was an amazing film!" Instant five out of five. Like when I watched mm. Battle of Algiers, that's you know turned it off and I was like five out of five. Like I knew it yeah. for me. Like that was my reaction. So. And yeah, all, like you said, uh, all the combinations of the different elements of the film, I think, play into that, into making it a great film. Because, yeah. you know, if you're considering the different aspects of, you know, the the writing, which is a big one for me. Like, if, if a movie has a bad script, then I feel like it's going to be hard to really make that a great film. Mm. Um, but yeah, considering the, the acting and the direction and the cinematography, all those play into it. And yet it's, you know, to a degree, a subjective level because we're, you know, we're all just individuals watching different things and reacting to them. But I consider all those things as well. And then I know it by the end of it. I know, like, what that is to me. So there you go, Josh. I don't think of things in terms of pure cinema, I guess. Yeah. Other than in your letterbox reviews. I mean, I don't, again, Again, to show how much I like it. But I, I don't think of, like... I don't agree that anything that's a five out of five I would consider pure cinema. Yeah, like I like a lot of movies that are five out of five, and I, I mean they're just great movies. You know, well, again, it's like what is the criteria for a quote unquote pure? Like what? Yeah, like, I agree. Like well, I saw like, one guy talking about this online. It was like a story that doesn't rely, or a film that doesn't rely on story or uh, rely on like sequencing or script. Or I forgot all the things that you mentioned. <laughs> and it's like, but that's just you know like. That deals with 
time or, or something. I was I just think like, what he's trying to say is that, uh, like, if you boil it down and you try to get to the essence of what cinema is, it's telling a story with images. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Like, Any yeah. reference like Tarkovsky and different things like that. that I wouldn't you would even expect. say. Yeah, I wouldn't even like if I'm going off that. I would like be looking at like silent cinema. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Just the image by itself, or but even my like argument, experimental, like uh, you know, like uh, Brackage or, or, or Hollis Frampton, or uh, you know, someone like that is just who's literally just trying to not even who's just trying to create uh, images that that give you feelings. He's not even mm-hmm. trying to tell a story. Yeah, you know, just, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's an element of a film. But my argument to this guy was like, why can't story or like you know the mechanics of a film like all these tools you use to like convey your ideas like aren't like how is that not quote-unquote pure like you know yes some films don't require much of a story they're interested in other elements but what makes a film like the godfather or something with like a clear narrative any less pure because it it is using those tools to tell the ideas that the the you know couple is trying godfather to is not pure cinema because it uses stock footage so that would be another interesting thing to consider. Yeah. It's not like, it's not the director's vision. Well also I think like with the thing with movies like that that would be an interesting argument. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Well like uh like with movies you're you're putting together so many different aspects of art. You're putting together music, acting, painting, sculpture, whatever, photography, um there's so many different elements that go into making a great movie and you know when you get a really great movie all of those are operating on really high levels you know they're firing on all cylinders yeah that's so, why i think it's kind of dismissive to say oh like yeah I mean, you don't need story like if it doesn't use like the restraints of story or how does yeah put it you know, it's like well you couldn't you can use story but like as long as it's used in a meaningful and purposeful way that's not formulaic yeah Good but, time has a story, and it's pure, pure cinema. Yeah. All right, six five out of five. Well, uh, up next, our deep dive for next week. This is Kevin's pick, "The Name of the Rose" from 1986, starring Sean Connery. Kevin, you want to give us a brief synopsis of the film, kind of get some listeners interested, perhaps? Sure. So Sean Connery and Christian Slater are Franciscan monks. They're going to an abbey in the north of Italy in the 1300s, so we're right smack in the middle of the Spanish Inquisition. And they arrive at the abbey and find out that there's been a death, and the head abbot comes to Sean Connery, asking him to look into the death because they think that it's suicide, but there are a couple of things that don't quite add up. So... It's causing spiritual unrest among the flock. So, so yeah. So then, without unwillingly, Sean Connery gets embroiled in this murder mystery. And at the same time, he's also someone who really values logic and science. So the fact that he's using these things already gets him weird looks. Hmm. So, a murder mystery with involving Franciscan monks and Dominican monks and, <laughs> and Dominican. Okay, <laughs> gotta get the different orders in there. Well, yeah, because right. that's a that's a that's, that's a big, big deal, big deal within, the within the movie. Yeah. All right. 
Well, it's available on iTunes, YouTube, Amazon Video, through your public library, perhaps, or wherever you get movies. So I uh, hope you'll tune in to that. You can also uh, watch Monty Python's Life of Brian with me if you want to come back and hear my review of that and me and Kevin duke it out. So, uh, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can visit our website, filmyakpodcast.com. And again, if you want to send in some feedback, uh, shoot us an email at feedback at filmyakpodcast.com. We'll see you next week for more Film Yak. When the revenant came down We couldn't imagine what it was In the spirit of three stars The alien thing that took its form Flashing at night, the sirens grow.